1: Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a PW Torch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive, and you get the Wade Keller post-shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed, all on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members, plus tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive, access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004, which includes post-Pay-Per-View roundtables dating back to late 2004. Also access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter that started it all. Add free access to our website and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign-up form. It's mobile-friendly, desktop-friendly in two minutes. You can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to talk this week's AEW Dynamite on TNT. Well, Zach, I feel we could start in any number of places, but I guess I want to ask you, do you think Colt Cabana made the right move after he slipped on the ropes? He's 40 years old. He might be losing it a little bit. Um, Is he going to actually join the Dark Order, and do, do you like the direction they're going with that?
4: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he, he should probably tweak some of his uh, his, his in ring style as he's as he's on a, a quite the losing streak here. But yeah, I guess that's the point. And as far as like the whole story goes, I I kind of think it's it's working for me, you know, I, and it's in the right place on the card uh, f- as far as the dark order goes. I think Cole Cabana is the right guy um, to kind of be navigating through this as he's a he's an over babyface, but he's not. A babyface with main event aspirations, or someone that's going to carry the company uh, from a championship point of view. So I think this works, given you know, how, given his character as a babyface and the relationship he has with with fans. So uh, on that front, I think it's working. Um, you got to wonder though where it's going to go on the dark order side of things. It, it's almost as if you know I'm watching this thing going. Uh, you know they're teasing the Colcabana turn, and I think. I think we'll see here in a minute just how serious AEW is about the dark order gimmick, because if, if, you know, they tease it and Cabana doesn't make the full turn, it's almost like the gimmick's dead right there as in like two, three people now that they've tried to recruit and then couldn't, couldn't do so. So I think they got to make a call here. Um, and I kind of get the feeling he might be the, might be the guy to turn.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And, and, you know, I picked that out cause I mean we could talk about top, angles. I mean, F, uh, the, the former Revival, F, FTR, debuted in the ring. We had the TNT defense at the end with a big angle. with uh, the Moxley cage angle. But I think Colt Cabana and the Dark Order is an example of AEW trying to fill in the, the mid-card storyline depth. And mm-hmm. I actually think they've done a really nice job with this. Like, even just the comment... Um, early in the match with Colt and Sammy Guevara, which was a great matchup to have because you give Sammy a win, which, you know, you should show people he can win every now and then. Uh, and, and you also have told this story of, hey, Sammy's 26, but Colt's 40. And Ross, I think it was Ross Caliber, said, you know, a lot of wrestlers get to around 40 and they start second-guessing themselves. And anything that goes wrong, they wonder, will they ever be as sharp as they once were? And, you know, I mean, it's it's pro wrestling so of course you know 5 minutes later colt slips on the rope you know pretty conveniently to fit the comments from the announcer <laughs> but i am i say that not to be snide but just like that's actually kind of laying the groundwork well for for that spot i actually like that the announcers uh foreshadowed that and it made the slip on the rope mean more i like the story that they're telling and i think you know colt can be out there and just a smiling happy go lucky kind of good-hand carpenter veteran who's a gatekeeper and you're sympathetic towards him and he wins a match now and then but mostly he puts up a good fight and loses against top guys and I thought that's what they were going to do with him. I like that now there's you know you want to tune in next week to see what's happening. Does he infiltrate and and turn into a spy? Do they completely uh uh get him to 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 go along with their kind of cult-like atmosphere and friends are trying to snap him out of it? I just I think it's a good approach to take to add some interest to uh, Cole Cabana, and then there's another part of me that wonders: is there going to be anything having to do with Brody Lee sort of playing off of Vince McMahon, and then Cole Cabana's experience in WWE not going well? Will there be some allusions to that, or even parallels uh, to that? I I don't think there have to be, but I'm, my antenna's up for that since there's such similarities with Brody Lee recruiting people, sort of like the Performance Center recruits people.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see them going down that road, um, and and I, like you said, I don't think they have to. I think they've got the foundation laid here for a good story in and of itself. Without you know the Vince McMahon undertones, like the specific ones, but um, you know in the past they've they've gone that direction. So it's, it's, you could easily see them doing it. Cole Cabana, I think the way he's kind of played this has has been really effective. I mean, you can just tell with his facial expressions and his body language that there is some doubt there, but also him wondering in his head, whether or not it's a good idea. And I think the, the cool thing about it is he's got that attachment to the, to the crowd. And I know there's not an actual crowd there, but I can, just see a live audience, you know, yelling at him, not even to consider, you know, joining the dark order. He's he's got that special connection, and but at the same time, he's not a featured babyface act where this turn would be, you know, uh, a, a game changer and a, and a shift of the tide in AEW. It seems like it's the the right acts at the right time, um, executing the the angles well, and uh, I think that's that's good. And then to touch on a quick point that you made about kind of the undercard, midcard, filler stuff, you get the sense that all of the angles today, whether it's uh, this one or, like you said, the cage one, obviously that's bigger. But really, like the the Joey Janela video was interesting. All that stuff, while all not main event level and not on that tier, it all felt important within the AEW ecosystem. And not everything's gonna feel main event, but it all felt like something like, okay, I'm interested to see where that goes. And that's a really, really good start and not some and something that AEW didn't have uh four or five months ago.
1: Yeah. I I thought that this was a show that just moved so swiftly. I mean it was one thing after another after another. The, the vignettes didn't overstay their welcome. I thought that they made good points. And then you had the matches, which I think they like were all within 30 or 45 seconds in each in, of length with each other. It was like they were all about 11 minutes, give or take 30, 40 seconds. Um, and it shouldn't always be like that, but it worked out fine this week. And, I mean, it was like I can't – I was surprised at how quickly the show went by. Um, and that – isn't the be all end all? You can have a show that breezes by and doesn't build character, uh, hot shots, burns out some storylines, uh, whatever. You know, th- none of. The, I don't think that happened in this on this show either. So the the show moved really swiftly by, and they just they were building characters, they were adding depth to the mid card, and then also by the way, building up next week's show and uh, fighter fest, and building yeah. up some of those matches. So I just thought this was a uh, a, a really good episode, not a perfect episode. We'll uh, talk in deep. We'll talk about more of the segments, but, um, I thought it was a, a really, uh, a good episode of AEW Dynamite.
4: I did too. I did too. And, uh, you know, for the probably last three, four weeks, I, I haven't seen AEW Dynamite live. Um, but I do watch raw live every week as I, as I cover it for, for the website. And it's a stark, stark difference when you're watching this two hour show. And I know raw is three hours, but you know, at about you know, it didn't feel like I was, you know, gassed out at, at the end of, of the two hours. And sometimes on that third hour of raw going into it, you're just like, man, this, this is it, this is getting rough. And, um, it, this flew by, like you said, and that's, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. I think raw conditions us, uh, gets us in shape for a two hour show seeming like nothing, you know, <laughs> yep, right. if, if you run three, if you run three miles on Monday, the two hour run on Wednesday, uh, doesn't feel quite, quite as, uh, quite as much of a, of a chore, I guess. So
4: yeah, Exactly.
1: Yeah, so we we can credit Roz 3 hours for making AEW seem like it's just breezing by. Um so I'm anyway, I'm sure they would love that. <laughs>
4: yes.
2: Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring.
5: A laundry?
0: Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
6: I'm Rich Van, host of the Deep Dive with Rich Van, a weekly part of the PW Torch daily cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or any Lad? We got you. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small, so if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire P.W. Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com.
3: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
3: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
1: We have uh, so much more to talk about, um, and we'll get to that. We'll let you, our listeners, participate and lead the discussion in just a moment. But let's at the table introduce ourselves and uh, give out the phone number and email address, too. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post show following the Wednesday, June 10th, 2020 edition of AEW Dynamite, which aired on TNT. And uh, we are live streaming the show. We start uh, five minutes or so after Dynamite ends. And you can always find links to the live stream on our Twitter feed at PWTorch, either right before Dynamite ends or within a few minutes after it ends. You can always also find a link at PWTorch.com in my AEW Dynamite report. I cover the show live as it airs with results and analysis and at the top and bottom of that report at pwtorch.com, you'll find a direct link to the live stream. So if you want to join us live, uh, that's great. Uh, most of you listen on delay by downloading the show late Wednesday night or uh, Thursday, and that's great too. Um, and uh, we also invite everybody to call us or email us if you are listening to us live. Heck, when you're watching Dynamite, if you're not going to listen to us live, you can still email questions and comments and then uh, check out the download to see if we got to your email later in the show. Our phone number is is three four seven two one five eight five five eight that's three four seven two one five eight five five eight as always please push one on your keypad if you want to join the conversation that flags you on our switchboard you can also email us at wade keller podcast at pwtorch.com that is wade Keller po- podcast at pwtorch.com so I'm Wade Keller host of the program joined by Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Zach. Haydorn, who also as he mentioned covers Monday Night Raw live on Monday nights at pwtorch.com he also had a haydorn's take up earlier today about Charlotte and uh how uh how much she's been doing on TV lately and his take on that he also is the uh the the, the host of I guess we'll call it the host of his own uh, VIP show uh one of the uh, I guess I do the solo Wade Keller hotline but most people do uh uh, do, do programs with, with two people. So, um, I don't know, are yeah. you the sole proprietor of on the canvas? That's not, I like that. That's a good sole ring. Proprietor? Yeah, sure. I'll, yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. You're usually, you're usually <laughs> solo on that. So anyway, um, and, uh, and part of other shows and other stuff. So uh, Zach, welcome. Welcome to the uh, co-host chair. Good to have you here. Yeah. Great to be here, Wade. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, actually, uh, plug your Twitter and I'll do the same and then we'll get to calls. Fantastic. You guys follow me at Torch. Sounds good. And you can follow our brand at PW Torch and then you can follow me at the Wade Keller. All right. So let's uh let's get to calls and we'll get to emails and we'll continue to talk about dynamite here. And we'll begin with area code uh three two three. Uh three two three, go ahead, state your name and where you're calling from.
5: Hi, Wade and Zach. This is Harry, VIP member
1: from Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey Harry, how you doing? Is, is uh, Vegas lit up yet? It started.
5: It started last Thursday, and it's uh, still not at a hundred percent. But now some, I, I would say, like forty percent of the casinos on the strip are open. So uh, some tourists are starting to trickle in. But uh, it's usually it's not just Friday, Saturday that are, they're
1: packed, and then the rest of the week it's kind of empty. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little less strange though um, than it had been for a couple months there. I'm sure for you. Oh,
5: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I was going and taking long walks on the strip on Mondays and Tuesdays and it was completely empty. Now at least there's a little bit more of life. Yeah. The Bellagio yeah. fountains are on, so
1: that's good. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, uh, what do you think of Dinoite tonight?
5: So I I really enjoyed the show. I love the observation that you guys were saying about how you felt the rhythm in the show and nothing overstayed its welcome, and it was really good. I really enjoyed the tag team segment, and what I wanted to ask you guys is, when do you guys think we're going to get Young Bucks against FTR? Because we're all waiting for it, but it seems like they're going to let it be a slow burn with what they did two weeks ago and what they did today, which I'm loving, by the way. But now I'm like, are they going to wait until they have people in the arena or are they going to do it in fi- on fighter fest
1: i i it might even be delayed beyond fighter fest i i don't i'm not sure what, what do you think zach what's the timeline of when you think they'll do it and, and how long is too long to wait given how much they're building it up
4: yeah I, I mean i think this has all out written all over it to me i mean all out is kind of their one of their signature shows of, yeah. the, of the year uh, they've got some time here to to milk it and you know it's not too far into the calendar where you know it's overstaying its welcome it's kind of like in that perfect spot and i know that there won't probably won't be a shot for for fans to be there which which is unfortunate but you just don't know how long that's going to be and for that reason i i think if i'm them i'm looking at all out and i'm saying that's that's where we do this thing
1: and and i do i think they're re- i think it would be reasonable for them to think that they can have some type of a crowd uh by all out um I don't think yeah. they can pack, you know, Sears Center with ten thousand fans. Um I, I think that would be quite ill advised at that stage, um for, for, you know, obvious reasons. But uh but you know, New Japan announcing this week they're they're opening up with one third capacity. You know, if if they uh I don't know. You know, I, I haven't fully Uh, Fleshed out where I think, you know, what I think the timeline should be and under what circumstances I think fans should show up again. You know, we are not past the coronavirus. (laughs) As Dr. Fauci said, we are still in the early stages of figuring this thing out with the the stay at home orders lifting in in lots of states. I think what's 14 states are peaking right now in terms of COVID cases. You know, we're still learning. There's going to be an ebb and flow and there's going to be open the valve and then throttle a little bit. And so, you know, it's just. I don't think anyone can have real confidence of where we're going to be in uh, two or three months. Um, But that said, I don't think it's unreasonable for AEW to hold out hope that they might be able to sell some tickets and have some sort of live audience of fans uh, by the time All Out happens. I think either way, though, they ought to get to that match then. I I don't think you want to stretch it out. Uh, where it's just obvious they're stretching it out because they want to wait till fans are in the building, and I think they can have a good match in the circumstances of Daly's place right now with the audience yeah. that they do assemble with you know i'm I'm told everybody in that building gets tested with actual tests, not just getting their temperature taken and um you know those tests aren't perfect, but it's it, you know it's an open air venue there's a lot of things that they're doing well to at least reduce the the risk uh not to zero but they're reducing it greatly and I think they can have a, a really good match there.
3: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Aloha, Torch faithful. This is Kelly
7: Wells, host of PWT Talks NXT. Every Thursday, you can hear me and my
2: gang of idiots, Tom Stout, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch recapper, Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT live on USA Network. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers!
4: Step into the world of power, loyalty,
2: with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Um, well, Harry, I'll, I've got more I want to talk about on that segment, but I'll go back to you for any follow-up first.
5: Yeah, no. So I wanted to say uh, FTR against Butcher and Blade was... Uh, the best outing I've seen from Butcher and Blade, and I think it came because of the style that FTR likes to wrestle with, following the rules, with getting a little bit of the sneak attacks. Was this the best you've seen, Butcher and the Blade? And by the way, I'm just waiting also to see what kind of headaches FTR are going to get once they get into the Santana and Ortiz, the Lucha Bros, uh, Best Friends, those teams that sometimes don't tag. But uh, this one, I think it – Shine, they made Butcher and Blade shine more than what they had done already in AEW, which was very, very little.
1: Well, yeah, this was the best I've seen Butcher and Blade. If um, mm-hmm. someone wants to remind me of a better match, I, 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 I'm willing to be, uh, I'm willing to stand corrected. But I mean, this was one of the uh, one of the uh, 11 minute matches. I think there were five 11 minute matches on the show, um, and it was uh, it was really good. It was it was really interesting, Zach. How. Much like Ross was touting this style. Jericho was touting this style. I'm not saying they were like ganging up on the young bucks and private party and the type of, um, you know, and other teams too. Just a type of like, all, you know, all out uh, freestyle, damn the rules approach uh, with flips and dives and super kicks and all that that's been going on. But it was like, uh, it felt like people were coming out of the woodwork to say this style. We like this style a lot. And it was a different style. It was uh, what did uh, Jericho call it? Um, Was it Jericho who called it like a meat and potato style? Uh, Yes. Yeah. So um, that wasn't to me that was interesting. And by the way, I ran a Twitter poll earlier about the about tag rules. Uh, Just to it worked out well with (laughs) uh, you know FTR and the Bucks doing what they did, and the announcers talking about you know like. Uh, Jericho going, Jim Ross, this is like a-, a birthday gift to you or whatever because they're-, they're holding the tag ropes before taking in and they're following the rules. I asked on PWTorch on Twitter, do you think AEW should have a more, a more consistent structure to tag team matches such as legal tags, enforcing the count when an illegal wrestler's in the ring, excessive saves, extended four-way action without ramifications, etc.? Over two-thirds said yes. 25% said they don't care either way. Only 8% said no. So among those who care and it's the best, you know, over 75% care. It's an eight to one margin of people wanting to see AEW reign in the style and have more structure. So for anybody out there, I will safely say in the minority who think, you know, Ross, you know, shut up, let them them do their dives and who cares about tags. um, The vast majority seem, if our Twitter poll is any indication, seem to want what Ross and Jericho were uh, touting and praising and applauding here, which was, A more traditional, hard hit, uh, more traditional kind of hard hitting match with some structure to it. So, again, I'm not quite sure what to make of that. I think, Zach, it's going to be part of the storyline with the Bucks and FTR, uh, but I think it's also a real world battle. You know, it's a little bit of a shoot when it comes to people on two different sides of this, but I think AW's taken it far enough that we're seeing this 8 to 1 margin in, in our poll on PW Torch.
4: Yeah, I agree. It was definitely something that stood out to me on commentary during that match just hearing him kind of tout that style and almost feel a little like a little vindicated. And yeah, see, this does work. Our style is the <laughs> way to go, you know? And uh, <laughs> so yeah, it remains to be seen whether or not it's going to be a storyline within, you know, within the, the feud with, with the young bucks. But as far as that style goes, I mean, that match tonight made, made sense. It was logical. You could follow it. And, that was refreshing to see for me. In my opinion, I'm definitely, I agree with the two-thirds that, hey, you got to have some sort of style so that there's logic to the matches, and when that logic gets broken, it's it's meaningful, and it's impactful for the story, or for the act, or for the angle. And you can't do that if you don't have those rules um, established. And I think tonight's match was just a really good example of that. I thought um, FTR came out of the gate hot, and kind of had the match that Defines who they are as a tag team, and I think now they can go from there. But it was a really good way to just establish them flat out who they're going to be uh, in AEW.
1: Michael Taylor, who does the uh, AEW Dark TV reports for uh, PW Torch, he uh, reviewed AEW Dark last night from last night, and he said, "I've already complained about it above, but AEW needs to start enforcing tag rules. They let the illegal competitors just come in and out with no consequence, and now they're allowing pinfalls with both people covering the opponent. I call that the Viking Raiders finish." It's idiotic. That would never be allowed. If that's legal, every team that isn't doing that are fools. Have rules and follow them. It's not difficult to do. If you want to have rankings and other aspects that make things more sports-like in the ring, then at least respect the basic constructs of tag team wrestling. And I know Jim Ross, if you're listening, he's he's cheering right now because um, he's been pushing for this you know, for a year now and pretty much every, every AW tag match to this point. <laughs> So I think a lot of people are kind of shouting for that. So I'm interesting. I'm interested to see how they kind of parlay that into the storyline
2: Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com.
1: Once again, that's PWBoom.com. So, my next question, and I'll ask Kerry first, did you think the Bucks or FTR came off more heelish in that segment tonight?
5: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I'll say the Bucks. The Bucks looked a little more heelish, even though I loved the part of the promo with them saying, let us introduce ourselves. We're the Young Bucks, <laughs> the best tag team in the world. We've been carrying the division and this and that. But I felt the Bucks, even though I loved the promo, I feel they came out a little bit more heelish. But at the same time, I've been watching being the elite for years now, and I've been waiting, uh, building the momentum so much. I've been waiting for these two teams to be face-to-face. Yeah. So I'm I'm just waiting for this to happen, but I feel the Bucks were a little bit more heelish tonight.
1: I, I like the swagger. I like the chip on their shoulder. I think that it's good that Matt and Nick don't come across like the Rock and Roll Express in a way where some some of the fan base would kind of turn against them for just being soft and all all smiling and happy. Like I I, I like uh, Nick and Matt seeming to have an attitude. That said, I thought it crossed into self congratulatory arrogance in some of the language and demeanor that they used against FTR and and and. It doesn't mean that they're heels, but I thought it, to me, it felt more heelish than than FTR, but I'm not sure we're supposed to quite know where it's all going to land yet. What do you think, Zach?
4: Yeah, I mean, to answer the question, I think the Young Bucks definitely came off as as more heelish tonight in in this segment. But I think if you look back to FTR's debut, you know, they were the more heelish ones in, in, in that moment in terms of how they just kind of yeah. shrugged the young Bucks off and, and walked away without shaking their hands. And so I what I think they're 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 really going for here is just two alpha tag teams that think that think and believe that they're the best. And then those two tag teams are going to collide head on. And uh, for that reason, I liked the promo tonight. I-, I liked a little fire from, from the young bucks saying that, Hey, look, this is we're, this is our company. We're the best tag team in the world. And, uh, you know, you need to be introducing yourself to us. And I, I think that's just a good way to kind of puff their chest out a little bit, show that they're the alphas to kind of match FTR from a couple weeks ago. And, um, to me, I think we're going to get a slow burn of that for a little while until we get on the home stretch
1: um, to all out. Do you, do you have a prediction on if FTR and the Bucks end up kind of both being baby faces at the end of this, and they just kind of play up the idea that you get to pick your you pick your team, pick your style, uh, pick your attitude, who you like, but it's sort of a pick 'em for the fans. We're not going to tell you who you should cheer, and then they each kind of go and feud with other opponents. And they're baby faces, or do you think they're gonna, when they wrestle, that AEW is gonna be steering fans towards cheering one team and booing the other?
4: I think the first one. I think it's just going to be too hard because the the this match has been just out there for such a long time and fans want to see it more than I think they want to see one specific team beat the other one. And for that reason I think it's going to be hard to book, you know, a heel versus babyface uh, effectively. So you kind of have to go down this route of alpha versus alpha and then you you send them on their on their separate ways. Now, I, I amend that if there's a, a big angle that hey, maybe the, the um, FTR turns heel in an attempt to, to get the, the tag titles off of uh, Kenny Omega or Hangman Page. Like I think they, they can go down that avenue if they want to. But looking at the, the tea leaves right now, I see this as just almost babyface versus babyface, but more so top act versus top act colliding.
1: It was just good to see the Bucks seem like they're a full-fledged part of Dynamite and a full-fledged feud, where they're not just part of the elite. They're not part of just a match that's just there to, to show action. They were like there to show their personalities and yeah, and and like talk about who they are and for people who I mean I, it almost like to me this was sort of what I expected week one two or three something like this or the Bucks come out and it's not hey we're EVPs and we're going to be ironic and we're going to do a bunch of, of super kicks and it's all a party and you can you believe we're on national television wow this is great. There's been too much of that, and I know they've had there's so much going on with injuries and, and the pandemic and quarantining and all that. And so they there's a lot of wiggle room in terms of trying to decide if they did this at the right pace or whatever. But I'll just frame it as this is the unbox that I want to see. I'm not saying for sure I want them to be healer face, or that I'm not saying they might have not have gone a little too far and seeming a little too arrogant if the goal is to be baby faces, but overall put them out there and let them be alphas and then tweak as you go. But this, I mean, sometimes you just wonder, are the Bucks even part of the success that Dynamite's had so far? Um, Because they're just sort of one of, you know, eight or 12 acts on the show. They haven't felt like one of the top three, four, five acts. They're just sort of blended in in this, in this, uh, um, ensemble where Jericho and Heck Sammy Guevara seemed like a bigger part of the show, uh, <laughs> and John Moxley, of course. And so now we're starting. I think this was a week where they moved up another level in terms of really firmly feeling like a big deal on this program.
4: Yeah, definitely. And you know, I, I think for a while they've been involved in a lot of the AEW silliness, you know, and that's not always a bad thing. But I don't know that you can be. Not everybody can be a Sammy Guevara and be a tip-top part of the show doing that silly stuff. I mean, you and I think the young bucks, they have, you know, I know people think of them as just oh they're just high flyers and, and spot fest guys but when they want to work and when they want to tell stories and they want to loop in psychology and, into their wrestling and into their shtick they can do it very very effectively they can sell they can they, they can fire up and they can come across as as big time stars and i think that's when they're at their best like yeah. you said yeah. and i just don't know that we've seen that enough uh, in AEW. and this was a good start
1: yeah i agree When you download and listen to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post-shows, we get right into the analysis of what happened. If you want to get a foundation of what happened if you didn't watch the show, or a sneak peek at what I thought of the show, check out pwtorch.com where I cover Raw, AEW, or NXT, and SmackDown on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. I'm updating my reports every few minutes during the program, so whether you're watching or not, Check out pwtorch.com and hit refresh during the shows or catch up after the shows are completed. Same thing, by the way, for WWE pay-per-views. That's pwtorch.com. Read the results, full details of what happened, and my analysis of the segments and the show. That's pwtorch.com. So go ahead, Harry.
5: I was going to say, from the EVPs, only Cody is the the one that we've seen shine in a bright way. Even though Kenny is a tag team champion, and that tag team, the one that has been the most prominent uh, member of it has been Hangman Page, who got ridiculously over with the crowd, (laughs) and he's the one that the fans want to watch. It it was incredible in Revolution. You had the Young Bucks, you have Kenny, and you got Hangman, and Hangman is the one that's getting the biggest reaction. So... I feel like now is the time for the Young Bucks to get their share of the pie and have them go uh, start getting uh, more a more prominent role in the show. And I have a feeling that uh, the tag team scene is going to start getting those top bills in the, in the pay-per-views coming up. Even though the heavyweight championship is a big one, I feel the tag team uh, scene is going to get even hotter with FTR against the Young Bucks and then potentially another – uh, tag team championship match, and and my last point before letting you guys go, um, I don't get it. They already announced the tag team uh, championship match for the third time. Young, uh, sorry, not Young Bucks, uh, Kenny and Hangman against the Best Friends, and now they still got another roadblock with the uh, Natural Nightmares. Even though I love the angle with Ali and QT Marshall that I've seen uh, develop on Dark. I don't want to see them defend the titles again when you've already announced that match on Fighter Fest. So, I, I just feel it's weird. I don't know if you guys feel it the same way.
1: Well, first of all, they needed to inform the Dynamite audience of a million people what a few what tens of thousands of people have been watching on AEW Dark because it was like I don't know if that's ever happened to you where you like push play on a Netflix series you're binging and you're like oh, crap, I think I just skipped over two episodes and didn't realize it. And you have to go back and like see, oh, yeah, I guess that just auto-played and I never saw episode 9 and this just started playing 10. That's what I felt like with this angle. Um, they, they need to introduce it to the Dynamite audience. It was just like they assume knowledge that wasn't there unless I missed some sort of recap segment on Dynamite that I'm forgetting about. Um, so just... Careful with that, um, AEW. Uh, you know, as Cody said, you shouldn't require people Yeah, they people
5: haven't to mentioned it at all on TV.
1: Yeah. So, you no. know, and, and Cody had said, you don't have to watch the shoulder content to know what's going on on Dynamite. And I don't even think it was self-explanatory. I mean, the, the things that were going on in the, in the dynamic of, with those four in that promo... Uh, it was like by the end you're like so brandy's coming across as kind of having an attitude dustin's kind of heelish qt's just like i just want my girlfriend to be standing here what's the problem and and the (laughs) announcers tried to clean it up a little bit afterwards and then some people like is that the bunny what's going on here if all you do is watch dynamite it was a complete mess so anyway um so uh, zach any thoughts on that well, I'm just glad I wasn't the only one that was confused. So, <laughs>
4: yeah, because because I was. I mean, and I knew you know I'd watched Dark and understood the okay. You know, she's not she's with QT, and that's fine. But I, I just was surprised at at how Dustin and uh, and Brandy acted towards him. It, it seemed just so out of out of character for for both of them yeah. that it made me think like, okay, is this is this an angle? Like, are they going somewhere with it? And, and sure, I'm sure they are. But I, I just it felt out of out of left field in terms of how those two um would act, I guess. So I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one here, guys. Thank you.
1: <laughs> and you have Dust you got Brandy accompanying Dustin to the ring, and then you have Brandy and Dustin telling QT, you don't get to have someone come to the ring with you and there's no context for either saying it. And yet Brandy just, you know, like whining about a jacket that she doesn't think somebody else should be wearing. And it's like there's it's And just, it's not yeah.
4: And it's not like Allie has like cost them a match or anything like that or been any sort of, you know, a thorn in their side yeah. as it is it's not like yeah. she's been a distraction so yeah it's um that's a bit rough um <laughs> but no no question
1: i do want to mention uh harry before i'll throw back to you for any kind of wrap-up comment before we go to the next call we're talking all about the unbucks what about ftr what about uh uh is it cash and wheeler or is it cash wheeler oh it's dax it's uh, dax and cash dax. yeah dax and Cash. Dax and I'm, dax, I'm being yeah. a little facetious yeah. i'm still learning <laughs> so is jim ross we all oh
5: it's, it's soft why well, i, I I don't even remember the old names, and I can't remember the actual names. I'm just like, okay, FTR.
1: two <laughs> well, FTR, guys? It's okay. Here's here's the code. Dawson had the is is bald because the sun would bounce off his forehead. That's how I that's <laughs> how I learned it initially. So if you know Dawson is the bald one, then you know Dash has the hair. And if Dash has the hair, now you know who Cash ah. is because Cash rhymes with Dash. So Cash has the hair, and now Dax is the former dawson so there that's your that's you your uh, that's your while. flow chart yeah um but nevertheless i thought that they they are coming across also um alpha and now now we're here to, we're past all the nonsense that were that was thrust upon us you know trademark john moxley and we are here to be who we are and the announcer's talking about them as hot free agents even if some people are skeptical because they're like weren't these just like a mid-card tag team who are doing comedy segments and being humiliated I think the way that credible announcers like Ross and Giovanni and Excalibur are talking about them, it, you kind of have to take a second look at them now and say, okay, that must have been WWE nonsense because Vince doesn't like you know bald guys in black trunks unless he, you know they turn into Steve Austin. And so I'm going to give these guys a chance, and then they can go in there and just show. That they're you know badass uh, meat and potato style tag team wrestlers, and I think win fans over if at any point that uh, some fans, some viewers might be thinking, why are they making such a big deal out of this semi jobber tag team from that other group?
4: And they have uh, they have such a they've Absolutely. got a charisma about them too, you
1: know, just a natural
4: charisma that even even if you were a WWE fan and you watched them, and you know, sure they they didn't get a push and they were you know low card guys, but I think even in that. There still was like that that charisma there where you go, hey, there there's something special to watch, and I think that's important and it's being enhanced in the right way um, now that they're in Dynamite.
1: Yep, yep. All right. Uh, anyway, Harry, back yeah, to you. They
4: were amazing. They
5: were amazing in NXT. The same way as other teams were great, like uh, American Alpha, even the Lucha Dragons. Uh, I'll put out there um, uh, the. I forgot the tag team champs before the anarchists or whatever they were. They've had great tag teams, but then they take them up to WWE and they drop the ball. That's one of the main reasons I also stopped watching NXT. I'm like, why am I going to get emotionally involved in guys that when they call them up, there's not going to be any any development with them. But you brought up uh, WWE also. That Dean Ambrose, sorry, not Dean Ambrose, John Moxley promo. (laughs) That was great. I'm pretty sure they yeah. just gave him carte blanche and it's like, hey, go ahead and talk and then we're going to throw out Taz and then Brian Cage is going to come out. It was great how it everything started going and I was like, okay, they're not going to throw him into the car and bam, they did throw him into the car. <laughs> I can't wait to see that championship match and I'm like, what is it, three weeks or is it going to be four weeks? And depending on the date that they're going to do, but it's just like they're keeping us involved in these matches and I just... Uh, want to see your thought on, on that promo from John Monsley, and I'll let you guys go. Go VIP, everyone. It's 1,000% worth
1: it. Uh, thank you, Harry. Appreciate it so much. PWTorch.com slash VIP. Show support for us, and we'll give you a lot of benefits in return, including a ton of exclusive podcasts compatible with your podcast app on iPhone and Android. Uh, uh, Zach, yeah, your, your thoughts on the Moxie promo. I'm, I'm with Harry on this one.
4: absolutely no question yeah it was excellent um really it did feel off the cuff uh and uh it just i think it's it's a promo from john moxley that he's done a, a few of these but it's like yes that's what i'm looking for you know that was i think the early days of dynamite it's like you miss kind of that that time for moxley on the microphone to cut a promo just like that and he did it today he felt authentic and real and confident and and he talked about winning which is, I think, important that, like, hey, you're not going to beat him. It's not about having the, the greatest match ever, but it's about winning and losing. And I think he really put an emphasis on that. Um, and he felt like a, like a fighter, and I thought it just was really intense and it, exactly, what, uh, exactly what he needs to be um, as AEW champion. So, yeah, high marks for that uh, for me.
1: Excellent. Audible is offering listeners of this podcast a free edition of Jim Ross's Under the Black Hat or for that matter, any book title of your choosing in their vast collection of thousands and thousands of books if you go to audible.com Wade or text Wade to 500-500. That's right, Jim Ross' is Under the Black Hat came out just a couple weeks ago, available to you right now for free. In his new book, he goes into uh, detail that I haven't heard before. There's one point pretty early in the book where he says, I would called the damn Flair versus Steamboat trilogy, and now I was trying to get punch holes to line up in the stupid paper on my stupid desk. I wanted to be on the front lines, not behind a desk. Go check out the new Jim Ross memoir of his time in WWE with some great stories from years and years ago and more recently. That's under the black hat at audible.com slash PWtorch. Now, it's not just pro wrestling books, and it's not just books. Audible is much more than audiobooks. They have podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performance, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. There are thousands of titles. In fact, if you listen to everything on Audible, you'd be listening for more than three centuries to catch up. Of course, you could dial up your narration speed and maybe cut it down to a century and a half. Anyway... Audible helps people get more stories and information through the gift of found time. It allows people to listen while commuting, cooking, exercising, gardening, or relaxing at home. A recent Pew study found that 27% of adults say they haven't read a single book in the past year, up from 19% in 2011. Lack of time being the main reason. So, why not listen to your books and then you can, you know, tell your friends how many books you read this year. One of the non-wrestling titles I'm listening to right now is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. About the Harvey Weinstein situation. And uh, it, it's a fascinating look behind the scenes at uh, power and corruption and denial um, within a news organization and the frustration that he had within NBC News trying to get uh, this story out. It, it's, it's a well-told story. It's fascinating and uh, kind of chilling. Also, I'm uh, listening to an Alfred Hitchcock biography. I've been watching some old Alfred Hitchcock movies. In recent weeks, as I've had more time at home and less time away from home, and I wanted to learn more about him and the movies he made. Whatever interests you this month, uh, Audible's got a book that will let you do a deep dive into it or just be entertained and escape. So again, go to audible.com Wade or text Wade to 500-500. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. And that's important for a lot of people right now. We're living in a time right now where there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of routines that have been broken, and it can shake us up a little bit. Some guided meditation might help. This might be the time to uh, check that out, and Audible is a way to do that. So go to audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. All right, let's go next. To 847. Uh, 847, go ahead and state your name and where you're calling from. Hi, Eric from Chicago. Hey Eric, good to hear from you. Yeah, what did you think of Dynamite tonight?
8: Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought it was a really, really good show. I, I enjoyed uh, most of it. I um, just, uh, just wanted to um, give you a few thoughts. Just yeah. one little uh, negative on the, on the show. Um, so Mac, Matt Hardy comes out and he comes out as normal Matt Hardy and he he's giving some advice to Sammy Guevara and I like that. I was like, oh, this is this is good. And then he starts his um, back and forth character and that's where I just lost it again. I just have no uh, no um, I just don't really care to see that. But uh, I thought it was a, it started out good. If, if Matt Hardy can stay a uh, normal Matt Hardy and maybe give veteran advice to Sammy and they get a match out of it, I thought that would have been great. But then he goes and does uh, his little character thing and Since doing that, I really haven't cared for him in AEW. What do you guys think about
1: that? Uh, uh, Zach, what do you think of Matt Hardy playing regular Matt and Matt 2.0 and also uh, breaking into broken Matt the way Festus would sometimes snap when the wrong thing was said?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you on this one. It comes off as a little too cute to me and and, and unnecessary because I think at this point in in Matt Hardy's career – Being the guy that he was out there confronting and having a real conversation with Sammy Guevara, like I think that's a character that can that can work for him at this point. And I think I I watched the other stuff happening, and sure, you know, you can get a chuckle out of it, and and you know, it's fine for for that. But what's the what's the overall? end game like where, where do you go with it and and, and to me it's just this never-ending loop of 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 more silliness that just doesn't doesn't have an end point and i think it's just it's it's unnecessary basically like i think he's just better served being the guy just the kind of the the wily veteran um and and that's just that's fine he's he's a good enough promo to make that work um i just i just i don't get the other stuff at this point and don't see where where it's going to
1: end i think people would like some frame some Point of reference for what? Who broken? Matt is who haven't been watching dating back to Impact and aren't on aren't on YouTube or or social media all the time. Um, and I, 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 AEW is it, it can be dangerous if AEW assumes everybody's on on social media following everybody day to day and that's a big granular part of their day, um, or that they're following things on a granular level day to day. I think you got to explain it on Dynamite. You know, don't assume that that the shoulder content um, is is that everybody's familiar with it. So. What is Broken Matt? Who is Broken Matt? And why Why is regular Matt, you know, it's sort of like the, the Chris Statlander Alien thing. Like, is does Matt yeah. have control of the character? Does he do it with a wink and a nod, tongue-in-cheek? Or does this old, does the second personality overtake him? It's like what we're kind of looking for with The Fiend and Bray Wyatt. And I just think you have to have answers to those questions. Or you have to watch the character and at least sense they have an answer to that question. And over time, you'll catch on. And this just sort of feels like, well, Matt wants to be the veteran sage of the locker room, but he also likes Broken Matt, so we're just going to be cute and do both. Yeah. And if if that's all it is, I'm against it. Um, is it going to kill AEW? No, but if it's something else, it hasn't come into focus for me yet. And so, yeah, I'm 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 with you, Eric. I'm with you, Zach.
4: <laughs> yeah, I also think too that I if, think if
1: they should... stayed if they stayed in the
4: just one lane, like even if that lane was the Broken Matt lane. And there wasn't this switching back and forth. I think even that could be a little bit more effective because then it's you know yeah. that's that's who he is, and they can go with that. It's the switching that that really gets me.
1: I agree. Yeah. And and if you're gonna switch, you know, you can even have just a word that does it. Like if you say the word, <laughs> yeah, it 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 triggers him. Um. God, that was just done uh, recently in wrestling. Um. Was it was it Lars Sullivan? Don't call me stupid. Like who who was. There was some character... God, who was... What was a wrestling character where, like, if you called him dumb or maybe I'm conflating this with, a like, a drama series. I don't know. But, like, if there's just some... <laughs> if there's some trigger, I can deal with that, too. But give me something. You know, don't just right. make it seem like you're just kind of making it up as you go along because we're just here to have fun. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, Eric, you were going to talk?
8: But, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's what it is. You guys hit it right on the head. Um, it's
1: that he's just... uh
8: misplaced like I, I i don't know what to think of him i don't know where he stands really i guess you know uh yeah that, i I think that's what it is aside from the that it's i think it's sort of cheesy it's just i don't know what where he stands like he said going back and forth I, I prefer him just doing um one thing uh and uh us knowing where where he's going and um or at least where uh, his character is but i i guess we we're just it's just it's just confusing i guess yeah. that's why uh it's i sort of don't don't care for it but aside from that i really uh, enjoyed the the whole show um just our weekly reminder guys this guy taz has was in front of in front of uh all these wrestling companies for the last 10 years and uh nothing was done with him and now look at him look at
1: this well he's been a good color commentator i don't so- want to I don't want to yeah. diss Eric. What he's done as a color, as a nice guy, chummy well, color well, commentator. I mean, that's been good. But this is this is at Taz with the edge. Right. Yeah. I I at Taz as the ECW yeah. champ surprised me. I and mean, I saw Taz back on the indie scene pre ECW when you know when he was doing the caveman gimmick. And and I knew him back then. And I did not see the orange you know uh uh ta- like uh, main event. Taz with his shooter-style thing. I didn't think he had that in him, and I didn't see it coming, and it is good. And I'm, I love seeing him do this again and doing it on behalf of Brian Cage and getting into it with Moxley. That's great. I love Moxley putting him over as a great talker, a great a great ta- trash talker, too. I think Taz has to be loving this because I think this is sort of validation to him for maybe how he would have been best used all along, as good of a – it's it was always fun to spend time with Taz. You know, I mean on for 2 hours on a podcast or 2 hours on color commentary, um he that personality worked, but this is a this is a this contributes to heat and it helps get Brian Cage over. Um yeah, this is a this is a good chapter for Taz in his career, I think. Uh, Eric? No, yeah, I was just going to say I
8: mean th- that was there all along. I mean, I, I feel like we've we've known him just a uh... About that, by the way he he speaks, the way you know he that that chip he carries on his shoulders. So right. I feel like we we've known that he can he can um, be this character, but he was just not being used in this way for you know all these years. And yeah. it's just awesome to see just in the last month he you know what what he's shown just how easily he could have been he could have been a big star, or a big um, even you know man, manager or mentor for uh, all these other uh, wrestlers.
9: Absolutely. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Wrestling Paradise at VIP, as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger. And our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the ProRes Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Anything uh, else, Eric Forrest?
8: Yeah, before I go, I just, uh, um, when Cody came out today, um, it, it hadn't really hit me. And I know uh, some people have talked about this that, you know, he, he um, might be disliked by some people. But uh, I think by him doing this run with, uh, just beating um, all these up-and-comers and uh, getting the fireworks uh, going for him and uh, this this big presentation. I can definitely see him becoming a even more polarizing figure, or even sort of a heel later on. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I can definitely see him. Um, I can definitely see people starting to dislike him in like the next few months. You know, as uh, we move ahead. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I'll take that offline and uh, um, go VIP, guys. Thanks.
1: Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, Zach, yeah, Cody is really interesting right now because I don't think everyone's figured out yet. Is he... Because what he's doing is admirable. He's having good matches in main events, defending a title, winning clean, um, being a good sport afterwards. The young wrestlers seem to appreciate that he's giving them this opportunity. He is coming across as this veteran who just happens to be in his prime and happens to be beating young guys he's giving an opportunity to. And in the main event, so he comes out to some pyro. Um, how is that heelish? And yet, you can spin it the other way and go, he's unself-aware of how he's coming across, and and that it is he is kind of putting himself out there as this big deal, and he is putting him out, himself out there as the main event, who's going to have this run, and I'm going to elevate what, how people feel about me bell to bell. And there's a mix of insecurity and arrogance, sort of on display with this master plan from an EVP. And I I think it's more the first than the second, but I'm hearing both and I can't rule out that this isn't sort of meant to be more subtly than maybe some are interpreting it, laying the pavement for him to eventually be a heel and it will unfold in a way where it all goes, oh God, now I see why Cody in his own mind has justified going heel because he did all this and people were still saying that about him. Uh, Zach, your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I mean, if, if... If that's what the long-term plan is, that will be a hell of a of a, of a heel turn. Because I I see it very much as the what you laid out in, in option number one, and I think sometimes it's hard to it's hard to remember. But you know this this is what stars do. I mean he he is one of the biggest stars of the company, and I think I look at okay, you can have that opinion about him coming out with the pyro and, and beating beating some younger guys, but. You know, when you listen to that reaction to him when there's an audience, I mean, he gets regularly the biggest pops, you know, on the show. And so I, I think people see him just as that, as the star. And I think, yeah, he happens to be an EVP, um, but he's not a star because he's an EVP. To, it's part of the reason, but he gets a reaction that, that gives – that push and that attention that star attention some some credibility and some um, some realism behind it so I think everything jives I think when we've seen this type of thing with with top people and in, in companies uh, in the past it's been because hey they're getting pushed a certain way they're getting pushed to the top they're beating the young guys but they don't have the corresponding reaction that says hey no but they, this this is actually your, your top star and that, that's where I think there's a disconnect, and where you have some trouble. This this makes sense to me. You know, he's a big star. He goes out. He's trying to have a of a good run and establish the the TNT championship. I, I think he's beating these young guys, but I also think he's helping get them over in some ways too. I think Jungle Boy last week um, had a, had a had a great week, and then um, oh god, his name Mark is Quinn, yeah. me tonight. Mark, Mark Quinn yeah. had a had a great night tonight too. So I, I don't see it as him just rolling rolling through people. I mean, if you just look at wins and losses, sure, that's what he's doing. But uh, to me, it's much more he's establishing the title, working with some young guys, helping get them over, and, and being the star that his company needs him to be.
1: I don't think there's a lot of accidents when it comes to things that Excalibur says on commentary uh, or all the announcers. But well, some, sometimes you feel like they're going in business for themselves, especially JR. But Excalibur saying the TNT title this is an example of Cody in the open challenge format. They don't have to be in AEW. And whenever he says that, it always jumps out to me like, huh. So yeah. who, who's, is Jeff Cobb going to show up again? Or is that a hint that maybe somebody from WWE who's, who's non-competence is going to expire um, is going to show up and, and uh, be an open challenge, maybe for a one-off or maybe as the beginning of their run? So I, I'm interested in that, and I think they're doing a good job having Cody – Be the guy who's giving opportunity to young guys who aren't necessarily ranked. And it's an open challenge. Don't worry, everyone gets your turn. And now we get kind of the first sort of uh, the heel who's been in the main event in Jake Hager saying, yeah, I want my shot at this title. And and building it up as on Fighter Fest elevates it beyond kind of a standard Dynamite TV title defense. I I am curious too, Zach, how, how often Cody closes out the show. And if Cody just sort of wants a run of being the main event, because that's putting himself out there opposite of NXT's main events. And there's going to be minute by minute audience fluctuation analysis. And Cody's putting himself out there. There's no hiding behind that if consistently he does, you know, the viewership is it goes a certain direction when he's out there in the main event compared to NXT. And if NXT is gaining at the end. And Cody's losing. And I haven't seen any numbers from last week yet in terms of that granular, but I'm gonna look into it because if this pattern continues and then suddenly one week he's not in the main event, and the main event does better than that. Like I just I applaud him yeah. for being willing to do that. A lot of champions have and people in political power have camouflaged themselves by featuring themselves or taking themselves off TV on holiday weeks and making sure that they don't follow a dead segment. And, you know, in when in analysis during the Monday Night War, the quarter hour ratings, it was so much was put on that, but there were people who understood the game, which is if I want to make somebody look bad, who's my enemy, I'm going to put them out there after somebody who consistently loses viewers. And I'm going to put a couple commercial breaks in the quarter hour right before them so that they have lost audience. And like those games were played. Cody's Mm -hmm. aware of that stuff. He's very aware of the politics that are played. I admire him for just putting himself out there and, and putting himself at risk, especially if there is any sort of internal, rivalry among people in power in AEW. um this is him saying let me see what i can deliver
4: yeah and and i think i mean and, and who knows i mean the minute by minute when you when you look at them might tell a different story where hey when he's in the main event people come over and, and watch him exactly. you know, which could yeah. be why he's which could be why he's there yep. i i do think though that if you're tony khan or even in your cody and, and whoever you know is, is mapping out and, and mapping out the run of the show. I'd watch this though, you know. Even if like, <laughs> even if it is consistent that he's he's bringing in ratings, you know. Yeah, you want to put them there. You need to put your big guns where they can deliver best. Um, at the same time, you have the AEW World Championship on the show too, and I think you don't want to have the TNT title overshadow, you know, the big prize, which is the AEW Championship. And so, I I would work hard to. Uh, keep it in mind and toggle back and forth to make sure that you know that that aew championship doesn't get forgotten in the week to week title defenses that Cody's going to be making uh, in the tNT
1: championship division I think by having the tNT title defended every week it becomes different than the world title and where i don't think one hurts the other because there's not a scarcity of defenses the aw world title you got to earn it And it's a big deal. And it's it's not defended all that often. Where the TNT title, it's like, hey, Mark Wynn can get a title shot. Jungle Boy can get a title shot in a way that pulls it down and says, this isn't the title only for people who have earned a world title shot. This is the everyday workhorse title. And so, and I think you need to do that. Like To me, I'm an advocate for the secondary title should be defended differently. There should be something about it that is different, not better not worse, just def- definitively different. And so to me Moxley being a fighting champion cuz he's defending on the pay-per-views or Fighter Fest type stuff makes that title seem like a big deal, kind of like a Brock Lesnar appearance in theory is a big deal cuz there's less of it. I I like that. I would have been less I I I don't think like the TNT title being defended every week necessarily makes it seem more important because it just makes it seem more prominent because you see it more, but because there's so much of it, it doesn't feel, in a way, as special. So, therefore, it's different in a good way.
4: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I meant more from like the optics perspective of Moxley and Cody, you know, and giving Moxley the act as AEW champion, the, the opportunity to show it and be in that main event position.
1: That's yeah, yeah.
4: More, more what I meant. Where it yeah. feels like
1: Cody's show and not Moxley's show. Oh after after, right, after X exactly. amount of time. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it's yeah, good to I give Moxie a chance to... to cut the promo. Right, right. And shine. Yep. Yeah some of pro wrestling's best podcasts are vip exclusive and you can go vip and find out why we have been supported by paid subscribers for over 30 years with our exclusive top shelf content including pro wrestling torch senior columnist bruce mitchell with the bruce mitchell audio show i usually host that program although he has a variety of guest hosts with different themes and unmatched historical insight but primarily providing insight and hard-hitting analysis and Opinion on what today's news means. Also, the fix with Todd Martin. Every midweek, Todd and I sit down for two and a half, three and a half hours with analysis of the latest TV shows and major events from WWE, AEW, New Japan, and many others. Plus, we'll keep you up to date on what just happened in the world of MMA, USC, Bellator, and more, and what's coming up the following weekend. Plus book reviews, reviews of documentaries, and so much more comprehensive coverage. ...of the worldwide pro wrestling scene. And then the Unmatched Mailbag segment. This is one of the highlights of the week in the pro wrestling podcast world. I know I sound like I'm exaggerating, but this is great stuff. The fixed listeners provide fantastic questions, and Todd delivers every week. You will learn, you will think, and you will appreciate professional wrestling on another level when you go VIP. And that includes Bruce and Todd joining me for post-pay-per-view roundtables following WWE and AEW pay-per-view events where we spend roughly an hour, sometimes longer, breaking down the pay-per-view. As soon as it ends, we are recording that podcast. And within about 90 minutes, it's available for VIP members on our VIP-exclusive podcast feed. All the VIP shows are available on popular podcast apps on both iPhone and Android. No ads, no plugs on the VIP-exclusives, and we remove the plugs and ads from the free shows that also show up on the VIP podcast feed, sometimes sooner than the general public has access to them. That's just scratching the surface. Go check out full details on VIP benefits, including retro radio shows from the early to late 1990s, our podcast dating back to the mid-2000s, back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter, over 1,600 of them, and so much more. Full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Join the ranks of the most well-informed and most entertained pro wrestling fans with the best podcast lineup anywhere. Go VIP and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed. Also a huge bonus. pwtorchvipinfo.com. Let's go to our next call here and we'll go to 111. Uh, go ahead, and state your name and where you're calling from. Yeah, it's Craig from Toledo. Hey, Craig, good to hear from you. So, uh, hey, what, what you think you're get out of Dynamite tonight? I thought it
6: was good. I always do. Yeah. Um, I Wednesday nights are my
1: favorite night of the week.
6: Just East Coast cast into AEW, then onto this show. It's <laughs> just, just my favorite night of the week. Um, I had a question about Fighter Fest. Do you think that? It'll be double booked because it's two nights. Do you think um, men and women are going to be double booked on, on mm. both shows? Or do you think it's going to be a solid, you know? Because I saw a lot of, uh like, packs getting together tonight. And I'm like, are they going to have a bunch of, like, eight-man tags? Or what are they going to do?
1: I, I think they're going to have a show that if you put out a four-hour DVD of the whole thing... You will see everybody wrestle once only. That's that's my take. It's going to be a four hour show, split, you know, minus commercials, but split over two two separate Wednesdays. That that's my interpretation. Zach is does that? I mean, that's how you, you know, make it. It's sort of like WrestleMania on two nights. It was two distinct um, groups of matches without overlapping of wrestlers.
4: Yeah, I think. I mean that's the sense that I get of where they're, where they're going um, and I think that's probably how they ought to do it too otherwise you know you kind of <laughs> you pack a lot of in to, to both weeks
1: and if you have wrestlers wrestling both weeks it makes it seem like two episodes of Dynamite instead of a two part card so big it couldn't be contained on one two hour show is, is that what you were getting at Craig?
6: yeah yeah cause when I I just saw all these like there was a lot of um you know a, a lot of like sides taking shape tonight where it's like these guys came in to help these guys and then so is it just going to be like a bunch of huge like multi-man matches and yeah i don't of, you know
1: i mean i'm i think they want to get everybody on i think they want to get everybody on the show um and we did get a lot of faction brawling warfare but i think that can be split up into separate matches too um I don't think it's going to feel like Survivor Series. I wouldn't rule out there's an eight man tag or something like that, but I think mostly we're going to get you know singles and tag, traditional singles and tag matches.
6: Yeah,
1: cool.
6: I would. I. I'd, I'd rather have that. To, you know. Yeah. And um, a couple. Other, a couple other things. The Taz. When he. Do you think there was anything behind um, him telling uh, Brian Cage not to uh, hurt Moxley anymore? Do you My, like? My, my Was take... that just like traditional?
1: I think it's like Paul Heyman telling Brock, "Enough is enough. If you go too far, you're going to hurt our opponent. Right. We want to win the world title. If you injure him and he can't compete, we can't win the world title. And we want to earn money, and money is earned on the big show. And even more money is earned if you beat this guy for the title. We sent a message. We softened him, but if we go any further, we're going to get suspended, or Moxley won't be able to compete. And so Taz is the is the guy looking at the business side." Who is who is again pushing the accelerator on the brake on his man, and I thought it was uh, it was done really well. Zach, uh, your take on that?
4: Yeah, I agree. And I also think the other thing that moment does is it uh it kind of just reemphasizes who's who's really running the show, you know, and that's and that's Cage, you know, that he does what he wants. He's the he's the monster, he's the destroyer. Um and uh and yeah, he, he takes his advice from Taz and he listens to him and they're they're a team, but it's 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 him. He's making the decisions and he's gonna do what he wants. And I think that's that's an important uh nuance too.
1: Do we know who Chevy Cruz that was with the AEW custom license plate? <laughs> i don't <laughs> who got the license plate that says aew and i would not have predicted that would end up on a red chevy Cruze. so i'm i'm i am curious who's who's uh whose car that was Florida's <laughs> is a out.
6: weird place man <laughs>
1: yeah uh craig anything else
6: uh yeah the uh uh just going back to the tag team thing you guys already talked about most of it but i had a hard time i'm i'm getting older my eyes are getting worse. Everyone wearing the black trunks, just kind of all <laughs> looking the same. It was like really hard to, to watch the match. I, I liked the match as long as I could understand who was doing what to who, and it was kind of. And I also enjoyed uh, Jim Ross throwing the referee under the bus. I don't know if you guys caught that.
1: Uh, what was it? What did he do?
6: Uh, he he said. He said something. I forget the exact thing he said, but he was like, "Yeah, especially this referee doesn't know how to referee a tag man. Uh, I forget what he said. I forget. Yeah. You got to go back and watch it. It was it was kind of funny.
1: Well, I know Ross um, said there wasn't a tag. For my call. Th- thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Yeah, I know Ross said there wasn't a tag, and yeah. then Excalibur said no. I think there was, and the camera angle wasn't really good, but the ref clearly signaled with his hands that a tag was made, and he was staring right at them. If Ross thought there wasn't a tag. But he just didn't see that there really was. That would be unfair to give the ref a hard time about that. But my other things might have been at work. Uh, Zach, your take?
4: No, yeah. I, I, I do remember hearing that. And I, I, uh, I was like, yeah, I think that's a, that's a point in the referee's column. Because <laughs> th- I think there was a tag. You could hear it also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, what do you think of uh, Rashivani and Excalibur and, and the high energy, I don't know, first hour, give or take, of uh, Jericho on the team?
4: i I thought it worked you know i thought (laughs) jericho i mean i go back and forth on on his stick you know right now because i think on one hand I, i look at him and i'm like man you know he could be a serious heel threat top threat in the in the you know the main event level championship scene and that he can be that guy um and he's also the the leader of a of a heel faction. So, to to hear him kind of yucking it up on, on commentary while while funny and while entertaining to listen to, I don't know that it does the his act or the inner circle act a ton of favors. So on that side of it, I'm a little iffy. But on the actual commentary side, he he does a hell of a job in getting these angles over and getting the stars over. I mean, he, he really finds the right thing to say about everyone in the ring, whether they're, you know, kind of a low card act or, or something more on the main event level. He he knows how to talk about them and uh, he has credibility behind him where what he says means something. So on that side of, I think he's really, really effective and he gels well uh, with, with the commentary team. I just, uh, it just gets a little foggy in terms of how he acts there, and you know what he could and maybe should be with the inner circle.
1: In times like these, the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issue section, exclusively available for PW Torch VIP members, has become perhaps more valuable than ever. So many people are looking back at old wrestling events, whether it's watching great matches and great events from the past on ESPN or Fox, or whether it's diving into a streaming service such as WWE Network or otherwise. The Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issue section is a great companion. You can bring up the back issue from that date, covering that event contemporaneously, and read our coverage of the event and find out what we thought of it at the time. You can read about the build-up to the storylines. You can read about the fallout, our roundtable reviews, my match reports, my star ratings, so many of Pro Wrestling's biggest events, including all of WWW, WWF, WWE, and ECW events over the years, covered in the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues, along with some great international events. So check out VIP membership and read about past events, our coverage of past events, along with Torch Talk interviews dating back to the late 1980s with some of Pro Wrestling's biggest names and cover stories and behind-the-scenes details and hard-hitting editorials. The PW Torch back-issue section is currently covering the Monday Nitro reboot with Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff getting a second chance. You can read about how that didn't go well pretty much right out of the gate on a week-by-week basis as we post new back-issues from 20 years ago this week in both PDF and all-text format, gain access to over 1,500 back-issues, As soon as you go VIP, dating back from the late 1980s through this past week. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP to get details and sign up. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Let's jump to our next call. Javier from Miami, I believe is up. 305, go ahead, state your name and where you're calling from. You just stated it for me. (laughs) Well, if I was wrong, this would be a good time to correct me.
7: (laughs) No, you were right.
1: All right, Uh, cool. Hey,
7: Zach, hey, wait. How's it going?
1: Good to hear from you.
7: Uh, uh, What uh, Craig was referencing was uh, uh, at some point in the match, there was some cheating going on, and uh, uh, I think it was Excalibur said, you can't call it if you can't see it, and uh, JR mentions this, and, and this ref doesn't see much. Ah,
4: okay. Oh, okay.
7: Yeah. Yeah, because uh, he, he's, he uh, I think it's the ref that usually uh, loses control of the matches, which is, you know, kind of like his shtick. Um, yeah. I think that was kind of <laughs> what what they, were, what they were going for.
1: So much a clue um, in JR that that's his shtick. <laughs> right.
7: <laughs> the uh, Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's yeah. the ref that doesn't see much. Yeah. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, that's true. You get away with uh, murder. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And and, uh, and and in in uh, talking about the uh, the tag team rules and stuff, I don't know why they just don't do what. Excuse me. Uh, I don't know why they don't just do what uh, ROH does. And when they want a, you know, they they have you know rules are enforced unless, you know, and when they want one of these, uh, you know, anything goes matches, they just call it lucha rules. So I mean, yeah. there 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 are matches that you can have, and if you make you make that like a regular occurrence, that you know th- this match is not going to have any tag rules. We're just going to go do you know nothing but the combo moves, you know, to pop the crowd. But when you're but then have matches where the rules matter,
1: and and lucha rules and Texas tornado rules are different. Also, I mean, there actually are like specific rules for lucha tags or you don't need a tag if a wrestler is outside the ring and then the other one can be legal and just whatever they do i think people just want structure they want explanation they want consistency 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 doesn't mean the rules always have to be the same but like you're saying javier consistency should be establish what the rules are and then make sure that you follow them and that you don't go well but that's not convenient for this really cool spot that i want to do or that's not cool for this adrenaline rush of chaos that i want in the match and you know the, the I think fans just they don't want you to do what's exciting or convenient. They want you to do what's exciting and convenient within a structure that doesn't make the baby faces look like fools because they don't cheat as bad as the others. Um and, and and when you you know put in your press release mission statement, we're gonna be a sports like company, and you don't do that and then you have you're this legend in Jim Ross complaining about it constantly drawing attention to it I, I just think everyone should get on the same page and and figure out what they're going to do and your your suggestion is good Javier but don't just go these are lucha rules explain what those are and like and then at least follow those rules also yeah that goes without saying totally no it doesn't not in this world but I know what you mean <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> okay. All right. So, so yeah, explain.
8: It doesn't. Explain, it goes without saying for
1: us, what, but I know. think we need to say it for their sake, so that they don't go, "Oh yeah, these are Lucha rules," and they never tell anyone what those are, because we don't know why. Q, why yeah. Randy's mad at QT? So they don't tell us stuff sometimes. <laughs>
7: uh, yeah. The uh, and uh, so during the whole Orange Cassidy thing, I was kind of like, I, I kind of like some of the stuff they did with commentary and some of the stuff they didn't. Where, you know, right after that, I think somebody made a pun of, like, uh, oh, um, Orange cassie just got pulped. And I'm like, you just saw a brutal, brutal beatdown and you're making a pulp pun? I mean.
1: You beat him to a bloody pulp because they were blood oranges. You know, and Ross, I don't yeah. think, knew what a blood orange was. Yeah. Because he was very I – th- I thought he came across kind of confused by that.
7: <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I mean, the the, the, the I I mean, I, I, that was a pretty gnarly beatdown, so. Yeah. What do you
1: guys think? Yeah, we haven't talked about the Six Man yet. Santana so Ortiz and Hager against best friends in Orange Cassidy. Um uh, Zach, what do you how do you think they're doing with Orange Cassidy's gimmick? Um he, you know, I, I like that I think it was who said, you know, he lulls you into a false sense of security and then turns up the energy and kind of explaining that, you know, maybe what he's doing is a strategy and not just this weird you know, personality flaw that if he just took himself seriously, he could be more successful. He, They explained and kind of framed it finally as, you know, I mean, yeah, there's something to this being his personality, but there's also something to it that works in his favor. And it was uh, actually, no, it was Jericho. And he compared him to a pool shark who lulls you with low energy and then surges with high energy. Um, so give it, leave it to Jericho to kind of fill in that. Um, but, yeah, you're, are you for or against – the way that they're featuring Orange Cassidy and, and Orange's gimmick in general.
4: No, I'm for it. I'm for it, I think. And uh, yeah, that's part of what I was talking about uh, Jericho on commentary earlier on in the show. Like, that's a great example of that. Just being able to just connect those dots is is important. And I think it really helped frame the, the Orange Cassidy character if you were someone out there who who just doesn't, doesn't get it yet. And I thought it did a good job of putting him in the, in the, right light. Yeah. He, he works for me the the way he's going right now. I think he's able to, uh, you know, not, I don't think everybody, anybody could pull off that gimmick either. I think he really, <laughs> he really works it well. Um, and he can fire up at the right time when he's, in matches and he's doing his moves. It it feels like he's trying to win. Um, And I think that's, that's important. He's not all just fun in games. Um, And I thought tonight uh, in the the tag match, he he was just fine. And I thought he really, you know, sold that beat down. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of sympathy there uh, for that character in general. And then to to see what they did to him. I mean, obviously there's not going to be any fans probably when, when Jericho and orange Cassidy face off, but doubt, to me, I would sense a hot hot environment coming out of a of an angle like this because of the just the, the groundwork that Orange Cassidy has done for the last few months since since uh, AEW came into existence to kind of just keep building himself up as a as a baby face guy, and so it works for me definitely.
1: Do you have a problem with uh, um, Cassidy leveraging Ortiz's shoulders down and getting an upset win uh, first? You Zach, and then I'm curious for Javier. Yeah,
4: <laughs> I don't know. It didn't bother me one way or the other i thought yeah. like you could have made the 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 heels more if you had them win the match and then beat cassidy down i think then that really puts a stamp on wow orange cassidy has a lot to overcome here and we kind of got half the outcome already with he he got a win over the inner circle so you don't you already kind of have that in your in your back pocket so if it's me i would have booked it the other way but i don't know that it th- i don't think it derails the angle at all
1: yeah javier
7: I, I kind of like it, like the uh, the idea that he's got their, you know, he's got their number and, and finds a way to win. And, and they're not, they're not like uh, supremely, uh, you know, you know, like oh wow, he beat them. It's more, you know, he he out he outmaneuvered them. He out thought, you know, he he out wrestled them essentially. So I, I kind of like what they're doing. And then, you know, because you know and and then they they take you know take off their take out their frustrations on him because they just you know can't beat this cockroach you know from their point of view
1: yeah and the quote was javier you referenced earlier jericho said blood orange cassidy has just been juiced that was one of them and the other is uh uh excalibur said inner circle has literally bashed cassidy to a bloody pulp
7: <laughs> oh god! Yeah, pun that, that was that was the one that bugged me a bit because yeah. he was making a, a joke after you know this you know he's bleeding out of the ear and instead of like one you know you know worrying I'm like hey you know come on you
1: know yeah. you yeah, just saw something pretty sin.
7: brutal and you're kind of like killing it with a joke so
1: yeah, yeah, yeah I thought it was a little little save it for you know save save funny lines for comedy don't don't do it because I think it did dampen the the intensity and the heat that yes the the uh, intense beatdown had going for it otherwise.
7: Yeah, and and I did want to give uh, uh, Jim Ross credit because later on in the show, uh, and this sounded very ad libbed, uh, he mentioned, uh, "Oh, we're, we're going to try to get uh, word on his on on his condition, yes. or you know, or at least we're going to try to." Yep. Um, yeah. To sell, you know, to tell it afterwards, so yeah. yeah. And and it really sounded ad libbed because he kind of like you know, uh, tripped over his words a bit. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, I, I thought that was a good. Uh, that was a good catch by him, so that you know to, to to sell that beat down because you know they had moved on to the next match already, and they were like you know calling it as normal. So
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I picked up on that too, and I always like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like when you do an angle and you expect people to take it seriously. You got to follow up on it, and and you know as if it were real you know what would you be doing if something real happened and if you know somebody got injured during a basketball game you'd be like we're gonna update his condition later you know i mean so just as much as you can inject that sense of people are acting naturally uh if this were real how would they be acting and certainly the lead announcer saying we're gonna have an update on this poor guy's condition after that beatdown uh is a way to do it and i don't mind jericho with a bag of oranges i mean i guess i wish it hit a little bit better when he finally swung it um yeah you know so that but you know that happens um but I, I like I, I don't mind a, Jericho being a little, you know, having some creative license in his weaponry uh, because that's sort of his character is I'm going to humiliate Orange Cassidy with a bag of oranges. That's Jericho. You know, I, I don't think I don't think Moxley mm-hmm. should do it. Uh, you know, I think that'd be a little silly. But uh, but Jericho doing that, it, it fits his character. So I was fine with it. Javier, anything else?
7: Uh, yeah, uh, the um, uh, I, I'm also glad that they uh, they said uh, skateboard for the fifth time and uh, Tony Hawk appeared, kind of <laughs> like Candyman.
1: <laughs> what was what was the point of that? If you fall down and you fall down and you fall down, change clothes, get up, get up, change clothes, and you'll succeed.
4: I was confused by that. <laughs> oh, also, i about to, to be honest. That.
1: What's that, Javier?
4: <laughs>
7: I, I don't know if the clo- the change clothes part was supposed to be part of it, but yeah, yeah, that, that I think the uh, <laughs> the you know the the who you know uh, who he will overcome and succeed. I think that was the uh, supposed yeah. to be the, the message there.
1: But the change in clothes that that messed with me. I'm like, oh, so when I'm having a bad day, just I mean, change clothes. Sometimes I've heard that said. I actually heard that said. Like, if you're having a bad day, just go change your clothes, take a shower, change your clothes, act like it's a new day, and it's it's crazy how that can kind of change your mindset. So I was like, is that is that like some like uh, uh, Tony? Who is the uh, uh, Tony uh, Robbins? Like that's like like I could see Darby going, yeah, Tony Robbins told me when I fall on my skateboard. And no, it's it's Tony Hawk says that. Go change your clothes. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> anyway,
4: that that was that was something that I actually noted that I that I wasn't wasn't high on uh, from the show was that particular video segment. I've liked the Darby Allen stuff all the way through, but this, this seemed like kind of a a deviation from his usual character. Like I liked the dark, the dark stuff and, and like the, the different dark color schemes that he used. And I liked the fact that he didn't like, outright have to show like, yeah, I'm the guy that, you know, if once if I keep falling and I keep falling and I keep falling, I'm going to get back up. I'm the scrappy underdog. And I thought that was kind of the 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 shtick tonight of the video. And I I just I like the other character better. So I hope they don't continue down this path with him or I hope he doesn't continue down this path. I think he can be a bigger star the other way.
1: Even I I would have expected Darby to just diss Tony Hawk. Like you're a celebrity. dude you cashed out. You're a sellout. What do you you know? Like. (laughs) I mean, so I don't know how you pull Your that games off. Suck. Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to get Tony Hawk to show up to have the skateboarding guy on this national TV show on TNT diss him. So you know, maybe they had that idea, and Tony's like, "No, I don't want, I don't want to do that. That's bad for my <laughs> brand. Darby's cool. I want him to think I'm cool. I don't know, but yeah, it felt a little off-brand for me too."
7: Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on pwtorchdailycast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern.
1: Uh, Javier, anything else?
7: Well, and well, and there was also the uh, the also uh, subtext of you know because he, he was he was told that he's not clear to wrestle so, but he doesn't care about getting hurt. So you know, yeah, if he's not clear to wrestle, say for a concussion or something, he's like, I don't care. You know, that there's also like that that kind of like death wish that the character is always going to have. You know, a little uh, death wish that that. Uh, He's pretty
1: much always had throughout
7: his
1: uh, career. If the AW physician didn't want to clear him before, I think he just set his clearance back three to six <laughs> weeks with that display, though.
4: <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys saw it this week, and I don't know if that's an old video or not. It could easily be an old video, but I saw it pop up on on Twitter of him like leaping out of like a what appeared to be like a fifteen story window off a balcony into a pool. And I just watched that. And I'm like, holy crap! This he really does have a death wish. <laughs> and I don't know that Tony, Tony Khan's gonna like that if he's doing that recently. It's a crazy, crazy video.
1: I have not seen that. Um, oh, yeah. But go go ahead. No, go ahead. I think it was. Uh, I think it was posted uh, just yesterday. I don't know how the clip was, but the, it was just posted yesterday.
4: Yeah, it, yeah. it's wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I just watched it all right uh okay. go ahead javier it,
7: Yeah, since we're talking about the uh, video that reminded me of something I didn't write down was uh the uh, the the sunny kiss um, uh Joy Janella thing was interesting
1: oh yeah that was yeah. i was I, w- I wasn't crazy about the narrative point of view people if they, if you know me you know I'm like how did there happen to be a camera in a car following them, filming them as they drove away together? But I, it was, like, interesting to see Sonny kiss at TV time. It was interesting to see Joey Janella kind of explaining his, his character and the idea that, you know, Sonny would just be driving up and then there's Joey and, hey, hop on in and enjoy. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, I thought, it, you know, it, it came across more produced- than happenstance and i'd rather have an explanation for all the cameras were there but overall i mean in the end i'm like yeah let's uh let's see what's next here what do you think Zach?
4: yeah no i liked it too and yeah if you can kind of separate from the from the, the manner at which they got to that as far as the, the cameras and stuff go I, I think yeah it worked i think it, it's uh is a step to developing joey janela's character and, and, and same with same with sunny kiss and i think both needed something they could stick their you know sink their teeth into, um, and this seems to this is intriguing, and it's one of those like things we talked about at the beginning of the show. Something that is low mid card, but that works and flows within the show and and frames two guys in a different way that makes you want to tune in next week. And I think that's that's okay for you know that type of stuff.
1: And it would have been easy to frame the the segment as you know, Dosh and a camera crew are here to uh, um, you know get to know Joey Janella more and see what a day in the life is for him. And you know you could have easily yeah. explained that. The cameras there, and you know the the pushback might be, well, that was sort of implied, and and you know that that is what we were doing. But then when they happen to have a camera driving in a car driving next to Sonny, and Sonny just happened to pull up at that exact moment, I would have liked a little bit more of a foundational explanation for how that coincidence happened. That took me out of it a little bit. Again, not a huge deal, but 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 I think it's something you know Tony Khan didn't want that happening at his shows. You know, he told me in my interview with him. Uh, you know, th- no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to have a camera that people don't know—the invisible camera. We're not going to have that, and they don't. You know, they don't do that backstage stuff. It's always a deliberate filming, and the wrestler knows they're being filmed, and it's for a segment. It's not a wandering camera. And this seemed to break from that. That said, I- I've been kind of curious. if Sonny Kiss was going to get TV time and and get some sort of a a push or a storyline, and I think Janelle is an interesting character. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, Javier, back to you.
7: Yeah, uh, the the because because I remember the conversation that same conversation popped up during the uh, dark order recruiting of the uh, two guys whose name, names I don't remember, um, and I, I just wish that they would put you know, because uh, because it, it almost feels like it's coming from Joy Janela, so I kind of I I kind of wish to put like a reenactment or something like that, or like a documentary by uh, Joy Janela, so it's something that that, yeah. that shows that it is not really happening, but it's something that. Yeah he's explaining to you or putting something together. I mean, you know, not knowing what the second part or the next part is going to be, you know, don't know if it's going to be done as, you know, real realistic or not, or if it's just going to be something that they, they could actually do
1: that with. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything, any closing yeah, words yeah. Javier?
7: Uh, no, I mean, uh, just, uh, I, when I was watching the nightmare family segment real quick, the, yeah. uh, you know, if this were the WWE, um, they would have been interrupted by, like, the Dark Order or somebody, and then it would lead to a match on the show between the Dark Order and the Nightmare Family, and then the Dark Order would beat the Nightmare Family and work their way into, the, into a triple threat for the following week.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Does no that question. sound
7: like what, what would happen to this were WWE?
1: Yes, although I don't think the Nightmare Collect have been uh, together long enough and on Dynamite often enough where I'm ready for any kind of uh, storyline where there's tension between them either. I think they're rushing that.
7: Yeah, no, but just like in random, like it'll be a random occurrence just because they, they you know, they, they, at the end of the day, they don't want to have anybody job to anybody in, uh, in the WWE. Oh, no, so, I, get th- just, you know, I, uh, I get the
1: dig at WWE. Yeah. I'm just saying, just because WWE <laughs> might do something, you know, different and stupid doesn't take away from the fact that I sort of felt like this was, well, Nightmare Club. It just like go out there and just be a tag team and be an act and don't do an angle. And that should be 12 out of 13 weeks. Just. You know, establish who you are. And it's just enough, you know, like, it's okay for Brandy and Dustin and QT to be on TV and talk about their title opportunity and just do it straight. And just be... And that just be a consistent act for a while before you start teaming teaming uh teasing dissension. This is Vince Russo West. Oh, we gotta take team together. They've been together how long? One week. Okay, let's start teasing dissension. Because we always have to have some angle and something happening. It's like, no, you need to have kind of normalcy for a while so that people care when there starts to be a, a crack in the foundation. And we they didn't even establish the foundation on dynamite with them enough yet where and, and then not to mention, you know, wh- why is the money here and why is Brandy upset about a jacket. That seems kind of petty. The whole thing, I thought, was just a mess. Me too. Yeah. All right.
4: Well,
7: have a good night. Cool. Uh,
1: Good talking to you as always. Thanks, Javier. Good talking to you. See you, Javier. Take care. Let's go ahead and uh, jump to the mailbag. Actually, before we do that, uh, Zach, talk about your uh, VIP podcast uh, and uh, maybe mention your Twitter again.
4: And and yeah, actually, yeah, uh,
1: talk about the Charlotte column. Talk people into clicking on that. Okay, yeah,
4: definitely. Um, well, yeah, you guys can check out my uh, my uh, VIP audio show. It drops weekly um, uh, for PW Torch VIP members. It's called On the Canvas. It usually usually drops on on Fridays, and I I, uh, I kind of use it to examine the the art of wrestling in, in, in current event form. So I'll take a weekly current event from WWE or AEW or NXT, whether it's a match or a promo or something else entirely, and just really dig into the, the performance of it, the art of it and not so much booking or who should win or who should lose, but just uh, looking at the art. And so uh, we're uh, 100, over 100 episodes of that uh, of that show now. So lots of uh, great content, lots of great back episodes. So uh, go VIP and check that out. I also uh, host the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show Mailbag um, on a week-to-week basis. Um, and we uh, just hammer out and, and really – just kind of college lecture through a <laughs> variety and diverse mix of, uh, of, of pro wrestling topics. And, and Bruce is great off the cuff um, and just can really dig in and give some really detailed uh, – perspective on uh, every topic that we have so uh, that's a that's a must listen every week as well so you can get your questions in if you're vip members ask bruce mitchell um, at gmail.com for that and then yeah on the uh, pwtorch.com today uh, my column dropped on charlotte um just kind of taking her taking a look at uh what she's been able to do for wwe throughout the last you know two three weeks really since the the becky lynch announcement so it's rooted in kind of examining what she's meant to the company, um, you know, in the onset when she kind of made her debut and what she's been for them and how they've kind of gone back to that well and gone back to that comfort zone um, throughout the last three weeks when they've needed her and how she's really thrived uh, since they've done that. So I encourage you guys to head to PWTorch.com and, uh, and give that a read. Also, oh, and then Twitter. Oh, sorry.
1: Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also Twitter. Yeah. At uh, ZHadornTorch. Sounds good. You can follow us at PW Torch, and you can follow me at the Wade Keller. Um, I'll also uh, throw in a plug for Sean Radikin. He's got uh, Radikin's take up uh, tonight, uh, looking at the New Japan Cup brackets. Um, so, who will rise and fall during the tournament, his take on that. So, um, you know, you can uh, get your news a lot of places, but there's some uh, some good good analysis and perspective and uh, and context uh, provided by the PW Torch team. So, check it out, pwtorch.com. All right, let's go to email. And uh, we got a lot here. If it's covering a subject we've already covered, um, I might uh, skip over it. But uh, we'll start with uh, Bassett from Pakistan. It says, hey, wait, hope all is good. I really love the episode tonight, especially the opening and the vignettes throughout the show. My only one issue this week is I should have let Mark Kinn, Markeen shine instead of giving the last five minutes of the show to Hager. In the context of the current political climate, I just didn't like Hager having the spotlight as the show went off the air instead of P- the POC wearing a BLM armband. Much love to you and all listening. Um, I, I get what he's saying. Um, I mean, Markeen is, Mark is in this main event match as a tag team wrestler, uh, holding his own against Cody, and you know, lost, but being treated super respectfully. Excalibur given a shout out to uh, his Black Lives Matter cause. Um, you know, Jungle Boy was last week. <sighs> I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't consider that, but you know, wrestling is about you know, when a match is over, you all of a sudden it's like, how do we set up the next one? And I didn't see it as, as all as disrespectful. Again, I'm not, I'm not dismissing the idea that it might not have been a good week to just let him have the spotlight, but. I, honestly, I don't know if AEW you know, is scripting out a show thinking, let's end with a hug between two good guys who just had a good match and the veteran beat the beat the, the younger guy. And I, I think that they want to end with an angle and, and a beatdown and in a schmoz. And so I get why they did it. I, I don't know how much they should adjust that formula, which makes sense um, given the circumstances. Because I don't think they've done anything wrong otherwise uh, with Marquine. So, uh, uh, Zach, your thoughts on that?
4: I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think you know, in the end, you want to you got to get people watching next week, and, and that's that's kind of the 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 way it goes with wrestling. You got to tell that narrative, and, and you weave it through week to week to week. I think the the key is that Mark Quinn had a had a had a really great showing tonight. I think you know if you saw him just in, in private party matches. You know, you saw him do his thing, and and he certainly is uh, has his style, and they have their style of, of how they wrestle. And I thought tonight you really got to see some range out of him. I mean, he sold that leg injury throughout the entire match. He did so effectively. I thought um, J.R. really brought it on commentary when because um, I think you can wonder, hey if you're selling that leg, man, why are you, why are you doing three straight dives over the, over the top rope? And, and JR was able to weave it together and go, Hey, that's, that's his strategy and he's going to stick it, stick to it, you know, no matter what. Um, So I thought he had a really good night. And I think that's, that's the, that's the main key for me. I I don't think they rolled through him. I don't think they defined him down. They defined him up. And so for that, I I think that's, that's a good thing. And I think the the rest of it just comes along with it being a pro wrestling show. You got to get to, got to get to next week.
1: And and the multi-week storyline, you know, Mark and having his, uh, you know, hurting his knee and lighting and having that be part of the storyline in this match, and yeah. is is you know I, I like to see when it when you look and you go oh God they were thinking about this two weeks ago,
4: I do too yeah that consistency is 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 awesome and it's fun to. And it just it rewards the, the audience that pays attention and then you want that with your with your fans.
1: And and they got to come out at the end and make the save and you know be part of the post-match mods. It's not like they just you know took a broom and swept them out of the ring so we could get on to more important things. They were everybody was, you know, involved in something and standing for standing up for something. So I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I was I was okay with it. All right, let's see. Uh, now is not the time to overpay for razors at the drugstore. Harry's knows sometimes it's better to stay inside and that's why they ship directly to you so you can experience the quality of a Harry shave in just a few days from the convenience of your own home. I love Harry's razors because of the fit and finish of the razor blade. For me, I don't like putting a cheap plastic blade or a heavy blade that's off balance up against my face when I'm shaving. Harry's has that perfect fit and finish, that balance and that sense of quality and that sense of safety along with a great shave. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special trial offer by going to harrys.com slash dailycast. That's harrys.com slash dailycast. Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule, with or without a subscription, your choice. And you can feel good about your purchase. There's 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. And 1% of proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping provide access to better health care for men and veterans. So listeners of our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com dailycast You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So go to harrys.com slash dailycast to start shaving better today. That's harrys.com slash dailycast to get a free Harry's trial set. And I love the packaging it comes in, too. Next, we've got uh, Sherea, who says, Since the beginning of Dynamite, I've been, a very, I've been very big on Cody, and I'm loving what he's doing with this open challenge. Two great showcases back-to-back where I really got that big match feeling. It actually feels like these guys are fighting hard to win a title. The only thing that's been missing is the crowd's going crazy for him. That was a big part of his act to me. The uh, women roster are really fighting their footing. Brick continues to be a captivating character. Big Swole is emerging, showing great charisma. Nyla continues to get better each outing. Sheeta is a very likable champ, and Ford and Statlander in ring has improved a lot. I think they now have a really solid six women to work with. Uh, I'll pause there. Uh, what do you think of that uh, saying? You've got Britt, who's you know injured for a while, but as a top character, and we'll see how long they can have her be a TV presence, but not otherwise be a wrestler or manager. I'm curious where that goes. But uh, Big Swole, Nyla, Sheeta, Ford, Statlander, Um, Is that a a good enough, uh, a good solid? I guess I should say Big Six.
4: I think it's getting there. You know, I don't think it's it's quite where it needs to be yet, but I think you've really you've got a foundation now that you can build on, and I think it's leaps and bounds from where it was, uh, you know, three four months ago, and that's 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 a good thing. But they do, you know, they do have a a way to go too. Um, The thing I think it has on its side, as from a division perspective, it's a lot of diverse styles you know you've got nyla rose who can play that the the monster heel well you've got penelope ford who's like the you know the the, the arrogant blonde sheeta the the sympathetic fighting champion and so you could tell a lot of different stories when you put a lot of those wrestlers together in a ring Britt baker a different different kind of heel than than all the other heels and i think that that's good it opens up a lot of in terms of Challengers to the title and other kind of lower card uh, feuds within the division. So I like where they're at. Um, I think they they need more time to 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 talk and to to show who they are outside of just one match. I think we I want to you know next week you know Penelope Ford got a big win tonight. It'd be great to get a promo from her whether she's interviewed backstage or, or something in the ring that just tells the audience, who she is and why, why she wants to win, why the AW championship is, is important to her. I think that's the next step. You've got some building blocks, but you got to kind of feed them so that they, so that they grow.
1: Uh, Shreya adds, Taz is doing a hell of a job as a manager for Brian Cage. It's coming across very legit and has given Cage an extra spark right out of the gate. Mox also cut a great promo, a great quick promo tonight. Happy to see Joey Janelle and Sonny Kiss are getting a storyline as well. Their vignette was very well done. Great dynamite tonight. And we kind of covered those two. Uh, topics. Yeah. Uh, so, up next, uh, John M., a VIP member from Ripon, California, says, uh, "Wayne and Zach, I wanted to chime in on Chris Jericho being on commentary tonight. While I really enjoyed him and Shivani together last month, I felt this was a bit much tonight. Yes, he's very entertaining, but I felt he took away from everything else. It seemed like a struggle for everyone else to get anything in. Might have been best to keep Shivani off, for example, and just have him do interviews if they really wanted Jericho in the booth. What do you guys think? I mean, I thought they the other three just you know backed off enough and said, okay, this is an hour give or take of Jericho, um, and uh, and you know let him let him shine. I mean, I like Jericho on commentary. I think it's a I think having him on guest a guest on commentary. They hyped it all week. They made a big deal out of it. Getting to hear Jericho on commentary, I think is an attraction. I think he's a big star. I think he's really good at what he does on commentary. Uh, in that you just want to listen to say what he's to hear what he's going to say next. I think. As McFoley told me a month or so back in my interview with him, he loves Samoa Joe because Joe isn't out to get himself over; he gets over the talent. I think Jericho manages to do both, and I think he does (laughs) so in a way that minimizes the contradiction. Like I don't like Corey, you know, like a Corey Graves being heelish, but then also trying to be be the credible sage who says, "This young guy, you should look out. He he's an up and comer and he's really good." It's like, well, you just discredited yourself for the last hour and a half. Why should I, you know, care what you have to say? And Jericho doesn't quite do that. I think he finds that that happy medium where. You 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 care what he says if he endorses someone, but at the same time he entertains you and, and annoys you in an entertaining way. So I think it works. I wouldn't have him out there every week, but I think you know every three, four, five weeks if he comes out for an hour, um, I, I think that works, and I don't have a problem with Rawshavani and Excalibur just having to cut back what they say. They get the rest of the show the other rest of the weeks.
4: Uh, yeah I agree I don't either yeah I mean I certainly don't you know you don't want to do this every single week because you want to make it feel special when and and why not promote it like to, to I don't know try to pop a little bit of a number or what have you just make it feel big um, and I think if you're going to have him on commentary like you want him to talk you don't want to promote the fact that hey Chris Jericho is going to be on commentary and then have him you know make sure that he splits the time with everybody else I mean that's that's the point of having Jericho there, the bombastic character. Um, and he really is able to finesse what he says too. To, to, like you said, get himself over, but also put over the guys in, in, in the ring and, and the angles and the matches. So I'm totally fine with it.
1: All right. Uh, Kevin from North Carolina says, I mostly enjoyed tonight's show. Usually I find the Broken gimmick amusing and entertaining, but not tonight. Pick either the Matitude or Damascus for a show and stick with it. Differing entrance and exit themes and changing mid-promo makes it seem like BS, in my opinion. Also, the announcers really need to learn what decimate means. When my attention is elsewhere and I hear it, I immediately think someone has lost an arm, instead of just catching a woman. I'm a huge Jericho fan, but he needs to say devastate instead. Words mean what they mean. Kevin from North Carolina. He's after my heart. Um, um, <laughs> any, any thoughts on that? It's
4: hard to argue with that. No, no, no nothing really to add, but uh, he's not wrong.
1: Yeah, yep. We're about to go to another commercial break. Why are you listening to commercial breaks? Why deal with these interruptions when you can become a VIP member, support the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, the PW Torch Daily Casts, and the entire team and everything that we do, and get a ton in return for your membership by becoming a VIP member. Go to pwtorchvipinfo.com for full details. 30 plus years of archives of podcasts, retro radio shows, over 1,600 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, a fascinating march through our coverage of wrestling history, and so much more, including ad free versions of the Wade Keller podcast, Wade Keller post shows, and PW Torch daily casts, and several exclusive VIP podcasts just about every day, dozens of vip exclusive podcast that you're not hearing because you're not a vip member so go vip pwtorch vipinfo.com. subscribe to our vip podcast feed and listen in a streamlined way with no interruptions to all of our podcasts again that's pwtorch vipinfo.com. all right up next Harry from Las Vegas adds, what are your thoughts on the AEW coaches? Tully Arn and Jake shown shown scouting FTR early in the show. It was brought up in a special social media post interview, and Cash said it was great being watched by people they looked up to and evolved their style after. Uh, In my opinion, it would be weird having FTR as part of a group instead of just having them as a tag team. So this reminds me of, like, who will manage Randy Savage? You know, Bobby Heenan, Freddie Blassie, uh, Slick. Mr. Fuji, they all want him, and it turned out to be Elizabeth. Uh, is is are they going to do a bit where like all these managers want him, and they just sort of say nope, nope to all of them, or do you think there's a landing place where one of these people managing FTR could actually be a, a, a net gain for everybody?
4: Oh, Man, yeah, that's a that was an interesting part of that match, like scene because they I think they cut to them two two or three times, maybe you know. So I mean, it was clearly like a point of emphasis. Um, honestly. I, I think it's. It would be. There's problems with them with either of those managers. I think I, I don't think they really jive with with any of them. You know, if, if it's Arn, you got. You know, I don't know that that FTR and and Cody really jive together. You know, as as as, as a unit. Um, same thing with Sean Spears and the uh, and the NFTR. Don't really know that there's a you know a consistency there in terms of who they are um, as characters and, and and as a team. So. I, I would lean towards, you know, it really would, would, would kind of <laughs> help get FTR over, probably as heels if they had all these managers pining after them and then they just dismissed them, although <laughs> that could be a babyface thing too, depending on how, how it's portrayed. And maybe they but go that doesn't... way too.
1: Maybe they want yeah. them to ultimately be, you know, the baby the babyface team that you just respect and they take on disrespectful wrestlers.
4: Right. And, and I, I think that's that's how I would go. I mean, I think, you know, it, it kind of framed them tonight as a, as, a, as a big deal. Maybe if you didn't know who FDR was or if you're a WWE fan that just didn't only watch there, you kind of had, OK, you got all these different people watching them, scouting them. Maybe that's the hook. Like, hey, these guys are a big deal. Pay attention. But I, I really see them as an act that stands alone. That just them. I think they can talk. They can they can do it all. And so I don't know if they need that mouthpiece like you know, like a Spears does.
1: And honestly, I don't think Arn Anderson has shown me since his retirement that he's a great promo anymore. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, I know it's sort of like you know blasphemy to say that, but I I mean, I think that FTR Cash and Dax are better promos than Arn right now. They know who they are and so I, I don't think like there it's like Taz speaking for Brian Cage that makes sense like Paul Heyman talking mm-hmm. for Brock even though I think Brock's an underrated promo and didn't you know we've kind of been cheated out of him growing as a promo with Heyman doing all the talking I get that um, but I'm not sure that Arn is gonna enhance what uh, Cash and Dax are doing so I yeah I'm, I mean yeah, it,
4: yeah. Was, it was and with Arn I mean. I mean, there's a big, very strong argument to be made that he's not even really enhancing Cody at all that much either. I mean, he's out there, but that's, that's really it.
1: I think he's got to be out there because of a long-term story arc that they want to get to that may, been, that may have been delayed because of COVID, uh, COVID-19 COVID yeah. and all that. Because, I mean, I, I can't imagine they're like, oh, yeah, this, this is going well if there's no long-term purpose for it.
4: Right, I hope so. That would be that would be great.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, up next. Uh, did I just ask this? Oh, yeah, I just asked this. I thought I had another email up here. All right, uh, James in Clemson says, um, I just finished Dynamite and was thinking about a conversation I heard on one of your shows a few days ago. I believe the whole point of it was that Adam Cole would be the hottest free agent and biggest get for AW right now. That got me thinking about who has the biggest upside. Adam Cole? or Hangman Adam Page. If you had to build a promotion around one of the two, who would you prefer and why? I could see both as viable answers and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Well, I pass the tough questions on to my co-hosts. So, Zach, what? <laughs> who would you take and why? <laughs> well, you
4: know, I, I mean, I mean, look, here's the, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll hedge to start and then I'll give a real answer. Both guys are, are I think, our top gets um, and if Adam Cole get goes to AEW and they land him that that's big but I think to answer the question uh, to me it's it's Adam Page you know I think the especially if you're talking you know in AEW you know he's he's got a built-up relationship with the AEW fans and that audience I mean they've um they've really seen him almost more than anybody else they've seen Adam Page you know start out at the very the very beginning and even outside of AEW but then like that audience, that group, that group of fans who kind of helped make AEW a thing has seen him grow from the, the very beginning to, to what he is now. And so there's – I think there's an ownership there with, with that fan base that wants to see him keep climbing up and, and getting stronger and stronger and, and higher and higher on the card. And now it's like we're at – we're at the cusp. And I think it got a little rocky at times when, when dynamite started, I think he kind of faltered a little bit, but he caught himself and then, and now you know found something again that the, the fans have grabbed onto. So th- there's value in that and there's equity in that and um, having that and having that relationship. So I, I think if it's between those two guys because of, of all that history and because of what, he means to that the the company and to those fans like that's going to be a big moment when he finally gets crowned someday and has that run as as champion which i think is inevitable at some point um that's going to be a big thing and to have that out there that's not only good from a business standpoint but it's also good just from a hey pleasing the fan standpoint and that that's important so yeah adam page
1: all right i have changed my answer four times while you were talking (laughs) (laughs) um i'm going to go with adam cole uh, but tomorrow, I won't remember which I said because there's a good case to be made for both. Um, I mean, it's close. I and in and in, in, in a way, it's a compliment to Adam Page because as as high as people were on him a couple years ago, uh, he went through a period, especially when it was like he's he's the top guy taking on Jericho for the first champion. Is he really hot enough? Act people know him. Is this is this a bad? St- it's like yeah, this was his rise came in sort of an unexpected way. And there's so much to do with his character. I think Adam Cole is a more more traditional, conventional character. Um, and I think that the Adam Page thing, I'm trying to talk myself into endorsing Cole while I'm also touting Page here. Um, <laughs> and not to be contrarian, but because I sort of settled on that, is I worry that the Page thing maybe has uh, a little bit of an expiration date on this sort of, not not being a fad, but... What more is there if he becomes the top guy? And I hope in like a year and a half, this is just a foolish thing to say. But I think Cole has kind of established who he is and that it can work long term as a heel or a baby face. Um, but again, it's super close. And I think that's why uh, James asked the question. Because I think yeah. it's a close call and it's actually a really cool topic um, it to, is. to imagine. And Great we talk- question. Yeah, I and mean, we talk about like, you know, Drew McIntyre or Matt Riddle. Um, you know, two guys in their mid 30s who, you know, have a chance maybe as this year goes on to be uh t- top guys on on different brands with WWE. And it's uh you know, Ad- Adam Cole and and uh Hangman Page, it's it's kind of a similar thing. You know, Adam Cole's yeah. 30 years old, Hangman Page is 28, so uh going on 29 next month. I mean, age-wise it's like really close too as it is with uh with, with riddle and drew so yeah it's a fun conversation we'll follow we'll follow that
4: yeah well and then you know for for adam cole the good thing is i mean he's in line he's in a really good position to make uh, some decent money you know and and to to really solidify his future financially because <laughs> to have yeah. both those companies coming after him um at age 30 i mean that's 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 a good position to be in for him
1: uh javier just said for my money adam cole if i need money now adam page long term so <laughs> okay Ty- tiebreaker i guess i don't a tiebreaker yeah. for all of us
4: <laughs> yeah right. it works either right, no, way. No, for me for me wait my, um,
1: my <laughs> yes yes all right uh let's see uh zach in texas Is not it refreshing to watch a show where you can tell those in charge of plan things out more than 15 minutes before the show started dynamite was an a-minus show tonight it would have been an a-plus if not for that odd matt hardy sammy Guevara segment it was certainly nice to watch a women's match where someone other than charlotte flair was being put over for its faults, A.W.'s women division is perfectly developing Britt Baker's heel persona, establishing Penelope Ford as the next challenger, while being built around the best wrestler in the division, Sheeta. Um, your thoughts? So, I mean, we pretty much covered that, but Zach kind of backing yeah. up what we're saying.
4: Uh, Zach is not going to like my Charlotte article, I don't
1: think. <laughs> <laughs> you are going a little against the grain, but that's good. That's good. That's what uh, that's what takes are for. Well, not, not to be necessarily contrarian, but make your case even if it goes against the... Uh, what seems like uh, a conventional, um, uh, the more typical argument these days when it comes to Sure.
0: Hey Harley, remember the days when women's wrestling matches were relegated to the mid-card dumping ground and treated like a glorified intermission?
2: You mean the era when it was only men in the top spots in the main events getting the biggest matches every night?
0: Yeah. Hmm, vaguely. Seriously, while we might have a long way to go, we really have come a long way, baby. And that's why we started Grit and Glitter, a podcast covering the best in the world of women's wrestling.
2: From the horsewomen of WWE to the goddesses of stardom and everyone in between. Each Tuesday, Emily, myself and our team of guest correspondents talk the best matches and the biggest news in women's
9: wrestling
0: plus interviews, deep dives, and discussions about everything from media representation to gear to women in behind the scenes roles.
9: Just
2: search PW Torch in the podcast app of your choice to subscribe or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch daily cast schedule at
1: pwtorchdailycast.com. City Park, Illinois. I uh, do you think AEW is missing something by having Chris Jericho be a little too comedy-based. I feel like the best top heels over the years have always succeeded from getting from getting believable heat. I love Chris Jericho. I even love what he's doing, but is it the right thing for the top heel in the company be, to be doing things that fans find funny? Boy, that is the the million-dollar question in AEW that we've been talking about, um, yeah. you know, for weeks now. Should he turn babyface? Do you think they should hand the top the heel torch to someone who's actually hated by fans and can get their emotions stirred a bit more? I sent this before he beat up Orange Cassidy with a baseball bat and a bag of oranges. That's a step in the right direction. Ha, ha, ha. Thanks for answering my question. As a, and as always, thanks for your years of non-biased wrestling coverage. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, Zach, what's your take on uh, Jericho? Too entertaining? Too, uh, like, light comedy? To be a top heel? Uh, or or what?
4: Yeah. Um, basically, yeah. I mean, I, I think that he's... I mean. In a way, he's almost taken himself out of that. Like, I mean, he is a top heel just because he's he's Chris Jericho. But I, I think you've seen kind of other quote unquote real heels, you know, really kind of vault up the card, you know, in, in short bursts. Like, you had Brody Lee wrestling for the, the AW championship. Now you have uh, Brian Cage there kind of holding down like the serious. You know, mean heel side of the roster um, for AEW, and Jericho is outside of that now. I think you know he he just I think he is a little too entertaining, um, but I don't know that he's trying to stay in that that heel lane. I, like I said, I don't think that's necessarily his his goal anymore. Um, it certainly doesn't seem like it because he's got a lot of things working against it. The the off the cuff stuff on commentary, the my God, the the entrance song, you know, yeah, <laughs> when when there's fans in the arena, like all that all that works against him trying to build heat and and honestly it, it really I was at I was in the crowd for uh AEW Revolution when he was wrestling John Moxley and John Moxley was clearly the the babyface and he got a positive reaction and I don't want to you know water that down at all but the it was hard for them to really it took a long time to get into the match and to, for them to tell that story because they were pushing back against you know the, the positive response Jericho got when, when he first walked out. So there are some things working against him being that top heel. Um, at the same time, like I said, though, he's not really positioned that way right now in terms of who he's working for and where he's or working with, excuse me, um, and where he is uh, on the card. So it's 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 a double edged sword because the entertainment is, is good and he's good at it, but it's not going to help him you know establish a top babyface either because or a new top babyface because it's so
1: hard to get heat uh, when the babyface turn comes I think everything he's doing is helping that um oh yeah and and you know that that balance between just adding entertainment and star power and doing what is most entertaining and trying to then not not to keep your eye on what will help draw and build intensity with a feud and and all that but it's like there's that balance you know how much entertainment, and can I do can I can I do eighty parts entertainment while still getting forty parts pr- productivity for a heel building up a feud, or is it and is it worth sacrificing seventy of those eighty entertainment points in order to go from forty to sixty on being a true heel, and and that's I think the balance and you know I think he's doing what's fun for him, but I also think yeah. and I think he's adding to the entertainment of the show and he's he's someone when he's on you'll want to watch him. And, and I, I think it's a net positive, uh, but I struggle with it. I struggle with it because I wonder what it would be if if, if he went for a little bit less of the laugh lines and saved that for when he's a little closer to being on the verge of turning babyface. I'm assuming the Jericho babyface turn comes against MJF, and I assume that's in the plans for 2021. And I think that's... I and mean, when I say assume, it's pure speculation. Um, but it seems like that's the course run, and I think that will be a big moment, and people will fill a building to watch... To watch those two yell at each other and eventually fight
4: yeah no that, that's gonna be great um and yeah mjf is one of those guys who i think is walking that line really nicely you know, he i mean he could berate people in that ring and do it in a way that's that's entertaining and, and almost funny but he doesn't he stays on that that heel side that heel side of the line for the for the most part especially now that he has a you know a couple months under his belt being on being on tv and and he's able to generate that heat. So, but man, yeah, wow. That uh <laughs> MJF and Jericho in the middle of the ring cutting a promo against each other. That's that'll be uh that'll be can't miss TV.
1: We didn't talk about the uh the MJF Wardlow uh Gun Club uh segment. Um any thoughts on that? I thought it was good. I
4: thought it was really I mean, short and sweet and kind of a to b for the most part in terms of being pretty simple but i thought it was effective at the same time and you had mjf talk of talk a big game he gets to to put his hands on the on the good club and then he just he backs off like a like yeah. a conniving heel would and, and stands behind wardlow so um nothing
1: fancy or too
4: intricate but it did the job
1: and mjf i mean you got to listen to him because he goes places and you're like did he really just say that you know, the way he talked about Austin gone and told Billy, I'm surprised you're not trying to get one of your, you know, no talent, uh, sons, um, another job or something like that. I was just like, God, it's like, it's a heel comment, but like, there's some people who think that's what is happening, you know? <laughs> um, and you know, it's like, you know, all the boys know in the back, no matter what, no matter however they get on Twitter with the marks and how much they improve and on the mic, they hit a ceiling. Like it's he's incorporating kind of the insider terminology but in a way that isn't to score points with insider terminology, but to amplify getting heel heat. And so between that and and taking a dig at uh at Austin Gunn and and yeah. Um yeah, he's just I think he's really good.
4: He, he yeah, he is. And he you and the the, the fun thing with him is that he, he gets better, you know, week to week, month to month. And that's that's really fun to watch. And I, I, I think about just future Future matches that he can have that are going to be fun to watch and also should do really good business. Jericho being one of them, but man, when you put MJF against John Moxley at some point, that's going to be something um, as well. And I yes. think that's probably in the pipeline too.
1: And yeah, I, I want MJF to be more credible as an in-ring force uh, before Moxley, and I think that's that's a journey that we should be taking on because you know yeah. MJF can end up. In that Piper category, um, but he's got to get there um, where you believe he's badass in the ring and not kind of the chicken shit heel. And i I don't know that that's been firmly established with everybody with with the larger fan base yet. Uh, and and I think there's things you can do to get him there. Uh, and and so Definitely. you know, let's let's, let's the, the journey is going to be as fun as a landing place. So um, no rushing it. He's young and and uh, they can take their time. All right, we'll wrap up with this. Uh, JB from Detroit says, I have two problems with the presentation of the Natural Nightmares recently, but this week in particular. One, they need to do a better job explaining why they deserve a title shot. They've been winning a lot on Dark, but that needs to be mentioned on Dynamite. Two, they need to do a better job of explaining dropped angles in the fallout from them. They've somewhat explained Ali no longer being with Butcher and the Blade on Dark, though even that explanation is a little ambiguous. But again, they've never mentioned it on Dynamite. Three, shouldn't they make the Elite Connection part of the story going into the match next week? Cody himself said fans don't need to watch shoulder content to understand what's going on with Dynamite, but that simply isn't true with certain angles. He loses credibility when he says this, but doesn't follow through. I love the show. Go VIP, everyone. Uh, PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. Uh, Thanks, JB. Um, Yeah, uh, I don't know if Cody said that as sort of like, Well, of course, nothing on the show should be on the show unless it's part of Dynamite. We don't want to—like, I almost wonder if it was aspirational and sort of a a passive-aggressive dig at other people not following that rule. So we thought if I say it, maybe it'll just magically start happening. I can imagine him being a little frustrated that it's not. I don't think he said it, like, fraudulently or— Flippantly, or has followed, or has flippantly not followed up on it. I, I just don't know if it's a level of control that he has over the product. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sort of defending, blaming Cody for saying it, and because I don't necessarily think he's in charge of every segment of the show enough to do quality control to live up to that statement. Um, but I mean, we talked about this already earlier in the show, um, and I think JB lays it out really well. You know, that that really jumped out to me tonight that that segment. It felt like you missed something and it's just recap it, you know, give us a 30 second recap or do a better job in an expository way with the interviewer. You know, just have have the interviewer say, all right. You two got a title shot because of this, and lately, Brandy, you've been mad at him because of this, and Allie, last time we saw you, you were with them, but now you're with that. A lot's been going on. Do you have your your heads straight enough to be focused on the tag title shot last week? There's a way to present all the facts, frame it in a way that seems like it's sort of the backstory for a question, and you've actually filled people in, and that was called for there if you don't want to do a video package.
4: Definitely. I mean, and 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 I, I totally agree. And then the other part is, I and mean, then look, I don't I don't know that I I, I mean, yeah, Cody said that, and, and clearly that that's not the case. But if I if I remember right, that was kind of it was early ish on, right? So things things may have just changed for them since that point. But it doesn't change the fact that you have AEW Dark as a show. And I think if you talk about AEW Dark on Dynamite, where you have a million people watching on a week to week basis, you might get. Some extra eyeballs that watch dark if people realize that something actually of value is happening on that show that's going to impact uh, dynamite so you think just from a straight business perspective, you would mention it more emphatically on Dynamite to get people to to watch some storyline progressions on dark you're not going to get all million people to go over there and watch it, but oh, maybe you know a couple thousand here or there they see a good match and and they and they stay you I, I think you can use. That type of consistency and like plugging dark and plugging what happens on that show, um, not just to get the the angles over and to give them context, like that segment absolutely needed tonight, but also to to get some eyeballs on on dark too.
1: The last show that uh, for dynamite that we have uh, a seven day viewership on is the May twentieth show, and it drew nine hundred three thousand aw dark. uh, Last week's show is up to three hundred twenty three thousand, but that's worldwide. Not just United States, and a lot of that is non-U.S. numbers. I don't know how many. Now the May twenty-sixth show um, is up to four hundred nineteen thousand viewers from two weeks ago. Again, a worldwide number, but it's it's a lot, but it's way less than half, uh, especially when you consider the fact that um, you know I don't know you split that number in half for for international versus domestic, um, give or take, and you're looking at you know twenty to thirty percent of the audience that watch Dynamite on TNT. Um, are familiar with Dark. And then there's other people, you know, reading recaps of it on pwtorch.com or picking up on it through other clips and, and references and stuff. But it's still not enough. You know, I mean, this isn't a... It's not 80%, 90% watching it. So, yeah, I just... I I, I hope that... They do a better job with that. Again, they'd say, "Hey, it's just, it's just, it's just the natural disasters. Don't make a big deal out of it. It's just, you know, we gave it, we at least gave it some time." But I, I think enough people watch that, going, "Wait, what happened? What's going on here?" And and I don't think you want to give people that feeling.
4: Oh well, no, and, and I think too, like this, this was a more, this was a bigger, bigger deal. It's just like, oh, you know, X team attacked Y team on dark, and now they're wrestling a dynamite. Okay, you know, that's that's one thing. But you you had like significant character development as far as Allie goes and apparently (laughs) with Brandy and Dustin too because now they're jerky bullies like that that's that's a big change that you need to 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 let people in on
1: yeah I agree I agree all right cool uh well Zach this uh just flew by as fast as watching Dynamite did um can't believe how long we've been talking about it but I think we pretty much covered everything on the show and now that we mentioned uh MJF too so I feel good about that anything uh anything else you want to add?
4: Yeah, I'm looking through my my notes here. No, I think we I think we got to everything, Wade. No, this has been great. Thanks, uh, thanks
1: very much for having me. Absolutely. So uh, go check out Haydorn's take on pwtorch.com on Charlotte and go VIP uh, to here on the canvas and also uh, Zach hosting the Bruce Mitchell mailbag and you can also see what he had to say about Monday Night Raw at pwtorch.com with his uh, detailed rundown and analysis of Raw. Zach, thank you so much, and we'll uh, talk to you very soon. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Wade. Excellent. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at pwtorchdailycast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com. One of the great benefits that comes with a VIP membership is access to our unmatched library of Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. In the late 1980s and 1990s, before the internet, Pro Wrestling was documented in print newsletters, contemporaneously packing a week's worth of news and results and Q&A interviews with some of Pro Wrestling's biggest newsmakers in the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter. When you become a VIP member, you instantly gain access on our PW Torch VIP website to a year-by-year listing of all 50-plus back issues from every year dating back to the late 1980s through today. And every week we update the format of our 20 years ago back issues with PDF and all-text format that makes it easier to read on your phone or your tablet. And the latest 20 years ago back issue postings have been a fascinating time in the pro wrestling industry. Going back to the April 1st, 2000 issue, the cover story headline, Bischoff and Russo given a second chance. The opening line of the cover story, WSW needed a big shakeup because status quo was leading them downhill fast. Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo, two contributors to the problems WSW is having, have been brought back as a team to save WCW. And there's an in-depth cover story on that, along with... A lot of other news in that issue, including a feature column by Bruce Mitchell and my preview of WrestleMania. And then we marched through April. The next headline was WrestleMania 2000 Triple H retains the title. The next week, the cover story is on the relaunch of Nitro after WCW took a week off. Plus, a cover sidebar reports on ECW champion Mike Awesome's attempt to jump to WCW without dropping the ECW title first and part one of my Torch Talk interview with Lance Storm. And then the uh, April 22nd issue opens with a cover story on Nitro's crashing ratings after just two weeks of Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff in charge, plus a feature editorial that I wrote regarding Russo's booking style, and my End Notes editorial on the Russo-Hogan dynamic, plus coverage of WSW Spring Stampede and more. So when you go VIP, you get access to dive in-depth on those 20th anniversary issues, or any era you want to read about, whether it's the mid-90s or just three, four, five years ago. So, go VIP. Full details at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. I know a lot of you are diving into WWE Network archives and watching old content on different streaming services. Well, there's no better companion when you do that than reading... Our coverage in the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter dating back to the late 1980s. Bring up our match report, our star ratings, our news coverage of that era, or just settle in and read fascinating interviews with some of Pro Wrestling's biggest names and their longest-form interviews talking about the inner workings of the wrestling industry. Before there were podcasts with wrestlers hosting and talking about such things, the the Torch Talk series was the only place you could go for long-form interviews with Pro Wrestling's newsmakers pwtorch.com/govip. In times like these, in times like these, I think you'll get more out of a pwtorch VIP membership than ever. So check it out. Hey, if you'd like to hear this show without ads and plugs interrupting, there's one thing you can do right now to make that happen, and that is become a pwtorch VIP member. You get about a dozen other podcasts throughout the week that I host that are VIP exclusive. And you get the Wade Keller post-shows and podcasts during the week with the ads and plugs removed. All on a separate feed exclusively for VIP members. Plus tons of other podcasts that are VIP exclusive. Access to our full archives of podcasts dating back to 2004. Which includes post-pay-per-view roundtables dating back to... Late 2004. Also, access to our full archives, thousands of podcasts, over 1,500 back issues of the Progressing Torch Weekly newsletter that started it all, Add free access to our website, and more. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com to get full details and then jump to our sign up form. It's mobile friendly, desktop friendly. In two minutes, You can be a VIP member, show support for us, and we'll give you a lot in return, including a streamlined listening experience on your iPhone or Android device with the ads and plugs removed. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com.